This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Sharon and Eric Lopez. What's up? Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon and Eric Lopez with you, along with the student of the game, Kyle Nash, college football hipster, stat boy Drew, Andrew Glukov joining us here on this uh on this, uh, uh, it's it's here. It's finally here, guys. That's why we're coming out with this podcast today early. Football. So Thursday. Have I, have I traded one ten-year-old label for another ten-year-old label? No, no, you're keeping them all. The the, uh, the Leroy <laughs> Jenkins of UCF Twitter Mafia, college football hipster Andrew Glukov, uh, and is Eric here. Lopez we'll doppelganger. Yes, and yes, also known as Eric Lopez. Uh, the uh, we've got a lot to talk about. We're going to preview UCF and South Carolina State Thursday night kick. Uh, we begin to get answers to the questions that we've been spending months speculating about. Now we finally will get some data on the situation. Uh, we have a very special guest. I'm really excited for this. Leger Doosable. You know him as a former UCF defensive lineman who spent 10 years in the NFL, CBS Sports HQ analyst. He will be on the call for the game on ESPN Plus. And he joined us actually earlier today. We record this on Tuesday, August the 30th. He joined us earlier to talk about the game, talk about his career in broadcasting and uh, and, and what he expects uh, to see from uh, his alma mater on uh, Thursday night. So we're really excited. I'm really thankful to, to Leger too. Like, I mean, I would run across him in the press box the last two years because he was on the UCF radio crew and we've talked a bunch of times, but like, but like, it was nice to actually sit down with him and talk to him. So, um, you know, I'm really thankful for his time on short notice, too. So, But we begin with UCF opening the season against the South Carolina State Bulldogs. Gentlemen, about South Carolina State, this is not some FCS cupcake. Oh, is- here we go. Kyle, I got to um, warn you. Kyle, this is a tradition unlike any other. Jeff freaks out about every opponent. I'm not makes them sound like they're I'm the Super Bowl panicking. title. I'm just, no, I'm just saying. The Masters. Is, no, I'm just saying this is this is a team that's the defending HBCU national champions. Everyone, Whoa! Everyone thinks that the best, listen, everyone thinks the best HBCU team in the country is Jackson State because they're coached by Deion Sanders. This team whacked Jackson State in the celebration bowl last time we saw them out there on the field. Coach Pew is uh, coach buddy. Pew is still at South Carolina state 21 years later. This is the third all time meeting South Carolina state. If I'm not mistaken, has yet to score a point against UCF. They've <laughs> lost. Not, not only that, not only that they've lost by the same score, 38, nothing every single time. Uh, hold up. First meeting wasn't 38, nothing. It was 17, nothing. That was 08, right? I, that was 08. Uh, I, I was there. I was on. Yep, I was there too. I, in, I heard the booze. In fairness to Drew, for that team, scoring 17 points is like scoring 38 points. Well, yeah, I mean, I must have been there, but uh, the, <laughs> I, I must have blinked that out because that season sucked so much. That game in general, in particular, yeah, that was the yeah, four. That was the four and eight season. Yeah, uh, that was that was that was a rough time. But UCF is a 30. Point. UCF is a 35 and a half point favorite in this game um so yeah uh i want to start with drew here since uh you know obviously you'll be in town for this one um actually we're gonna we're gonna go around the horn here each of you tell me the 
the number one thing you are going to be watching for in this game? Drew, you start. Oh, I'm going to go with the offensive line. I want to see how they gel and execute because that's a much maligned group that struggled at times against good competition last year. And they're going to need them to be on point, you know, next week. So uh, this is, this is an opportunity to really kind of get those, the, those jitters out. You have two new starters that, that are brand new from the, from the transfer portal. They're, you know, Tylen Grable, talented. Ryan Swoboda is, you know, six foot 10. Let's see if he can get down and, and, and hit. So it's, it's all about the offensive line. Can they gel? Can they get things together? Because the rest of the offense won't hum without that offensive line getting it done. Hmm. Kyle? I was going to say O-line, too. I want to see what Sam Jack does swinging inside the guard. But since Drew, Drew took that, I'm going to go linebackers. I want to see what we have from this group with a lot of new faces. Only one major returner, Jeremiah uh, John Baptiste, of course, as uh, we have been uh, apprised of by way of the black and gold banner com's article by covering the linebackers by our very own Bryson Turner. By the way, he's the one who's going to be in the building. Drew's going to slack on Thursday night and do it from home. Let's be clear about that. Actually, yeah. he's worked. Drew's working Thursday night. We'll get to that. Oh, I'll be I'll be very busy, but um, yeah, I will be working remote uh, with Eric Lopez. Times two. <laughs> Times two. This is what happens when we have weekday games, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I know Drew's going to put in his work, but I had to take a shot calling the slacker sitting this one out. No, 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 I look at this way. This is a win. A Bryson Turner will be in there to, to, to get some work done. And, and you know, he's been rock. Star Although he, we got a, I mean, he's a rookie. I mean, he's wearing a suit as we're doing the show here. He doesn't have to wear a suit for the podcast. He's already got his suit on for Thursday night. He could wait, you know, he can, and, you know, he's like well, sleeping he's take, in the suit. He's taking yeah, notes yeah. after Kyle, who's notoriously known for. That's true. <laughs> wow. That's a <laughs> Not notorious. Uh, famously. Eric, go with notorious. Eric, what are you? What are you going to look for? Well, Drew makes a good point. Who's going to have the better suit? Can Bryson match Kyle's level of oh suitness? That's going to on the this press is box. Almost that's as the, bad as talking know. about food in the yeah, press box, yeah, which you yeah. always do. So that's number one. Number two is the obvious for me. I appreciate you guys giving me the layup here. John Rice Plumley. Mm -hmm. This is going to be the first scrimmage. With live action. This is the third official UCF scrimmage they've had this year. First to the public, open to the public. You hear that, everybody? It's, it's a fact. Listen, if, some, if something team. goes wrong here, folks, you know exactly who to blame. Yeah, the t the play quarterback position. Eric that's, Lopez. No, the quarterback. That's the point. John Rice Plumley. This is finally we get some answers here, right? The biggest question, can he throw the football? Can he run this, you know, off? Is he the right guy? This is going to be, in a way, one of the more anticipated. Normally in a game like this, eh, you already know, first drive, you might settle in. A lot of eyeballs are going to be ready in that first snap, guys. I mean, what does he do? And it's not really what he does with his legs that I care about. We know what he could do with his legs. What can he do with his arm? And to me, that's what I'm looking forward to seeing. I think a lot of people in the stadium and people watching are looking forward to seeing this too. Hey, the people that watched him on the Jim Rome show will be curious. <laughs> Well, I, I, I will I, I will put myself out there and say I'm really looking forward to seeing how the running game will look uh, with a healthy Isaiah Bowser, with a healthy Johnny Richardson, with a healthy R.J. Harvey out there. And the reason why I say that is because I know Eric is looking forward to a JRP throwing the ball all around the yard, but I don't think we're going to see much of that because I don't think – Gus Malzahn wants to show too much of his hand against an FCS opponent. 
No, you're going to see a lot of conservative play. They're, they're going to be going through the motions. Uh, to, to Eric's credit, there will be a slight. Well, hopefully not too going, much. I mean, going through the motions of stuff. <laughs> Uh, but you know they're going to keep the the creative little closer to the best because you've got such a big game just a few days away. But you mentioned R.J. Harvey, who who missed last year. He was one of the highlights that I picked out of the spring game last year. He's a guy I'm really looking forward to see. Physical specimen, uh, built like a wrecking ball, uh, short frame but stocky. Former quarterback transfer. I mean, still very raw as experience, but boy, this guy's talented. I mean, he showed everybody up last year. Him getting yeah. injured, man. That, that was heartbreaking. So it'll be really good to see him on the field, even if it's just a little. Just to see him back on the field in a, in a regular season game will be huge. Well, to yeah. your credit, to your, or I should say to your joy, Drew, uh, Gus Malzahn on the Monday press conference did say RJ Harvey is ready and good to go to handle business. And I'll give you this much credit. The basic, uh, the basic, play calling I think is the best opportunity to get that offensive line to gel better too I mean listen if you're run blocking that is how you build communication and teamwork that you want on an offensive line that's going to need to protect one JRP as he slings it around the yard as Eric wants to see in the future and mm. and the depth chart has come out and at running back you have a lot of oars and you notice the depth chart in general just has a bunch of oars yeah. but running back it's 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 Bowser or more ors than a viking ship oh god <laughs> thank you so hey, i'm just off. i'm da, just da, glad da, we have da, da, a I'm, da, 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 da. I'm just glad we have a depth chart unlike the clown at texas steve sarkeesian has, has announced he's not going to give out a depth chart all year round like give me yeah, a break yeah uh but if you actually look behind it after after those two you have it's it's mark anthony richards or rj harvey so i mean that that's a good sign you're gonna see some action out of that mm -hmm. uh, and and this is a great start. game brought to you by the word or yeah mm -hmm. this is a great opportunity because you know, you're hoping that this game gets settled um some point in the third quarter you start pulling starters out no reason to keep them in too long but it, it'd be a great opportunity to get some of the younger guys some some experience some game time experience who that's do we want to see from that crew Drew? uh well, or the aside, younger guys you want to see aside from harvey you know i Heck, I mean, at that point, you know, I want to see, you know, guys like Xavier Townsend, you know, the very talented freshman wide receiver. I uh, heard a lot of good things about him, for, uh, you know, earlier. And, and you know what? If if things are going over, bring in Castellanos. Let him let him get a few plays. you got four games. You can keep his redshirt. Give him a little bit of, of play time because, you know, you know what King can do. You know what he, you know what he brings to the table. Give the noobs. You know, these, some of these freshmen, you know, freshmen, freshmen, you know, new transfers, give them an opportunity to get some field time, work on 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 some of those things. Uh, you know, guys like a, like a, like a Mikey King, I have I have faith that he he could step in if needed and doesn't need that extra time. If, if, if you can give it to someone a little bit younger who may not get an opportunity the rest of the year. How about you, Kyle? For my money, I want to see some Jordan McDonald. I want to see the juggernaut back there bashing some heads in, and let's see if we can break that in a little bit, get some stuff done. Um, you know, as far as that goes, Mikey King, eh, I've seen that. Castellanos, interesting. Nikhil Harry, okay on defense. I'd like to see him a little bit. By the way, your boy Townsend there, uh, Glukov, mentioned high on the depth chart for punt return. So that's something I'd like to see there as well. Mm -hmm. Eric? 
It's a good point about the special teams there, the punt return. Do we see some, you know, potential there? Some, you know, it could be a potential weapon. The kicking game, you know, do we see improvements there? I, I think that's valid. I think you guys have covered everything. From uh, The goal here is you want to get as many players as you can. You want to avoid injuries, obviously, uh, and, and all that. And I just think that's the goal. You got to get off to a good start, get off to a sharp, you know, sharp. Uh, hopefully there's no delays like last year where, Andrew, you can speak to that. That was uh, hopefully the weather is good. It seems like it'll be good. So uh, at least, Kyle, you've got that going for you. But uh, hopefully get as many bodies in there. Get out because you're right. You got Louisville for the, in about a, a week after that. So that yeah, I think one to week me, that's and one day. I like having that extra day to prepare for Louisville because they're playing Especially next Friday. Especially for a game that's during the week. You know, yeah. It's not often that you get Thursday to Friday. Man, you get an extra day on the back end of that to prepare for the third game against Florida Atlantic too, which is the other, which is the other they thing. Had a big win uh, in week zero over yeah. Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks really good. They, they actually did. I watched that uh, Taggart with, with the quarterback, the UM transfer may have found this Perry. Perry. Yeah. That, yeah. They, they could be a, a big year for Willie Taggart here to try to contend in the final, really the final year in CUSA before they go to the Americans. So that could be tricky for UCF in a couple of weeks. Yeah. But Fun, uh, fun uh, fact, Willie Taggart has never lost to UCF. Oh, well. <laughs> That's not Just so, putting that out there. Forward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So th- this gets me to our next thing that I wanted to talk about, which was our season predictions. Now, a little uh, promotional stuff here for you. You can send us your season predictions as well. If you go to blackandgoldbanneret.com, we have a Google form up where you can pick each individual game of UCF season. You can also pick uh, whether or not you think uh, which bowl game UCF can go to, who, what your matchup will be in the American Athletic Conference Championship, and what UCF's bowl game result will be. Uh, we all put up our predictions already on blackandgoldbanneret.com on that same uh, on that same story. Uh, I think it's helpful to go through. All right, first, the, all the games we think unanimously will be wins. All right, and there were seven of us: uh, South Carolina State, FAU, Georgia Tech. Interestingly enough, uh, Temple, uh, Navy, and South Florida. Those games, all seven of us think UCF will should win. be locks. I mean, FAU. I wouldn't. Yeah. FAU actually, I'll give them a little respect in that. I wouldn't put that in pen uh, because I was impressed what I saw. I think they, that could be a tricky game if UCF doesn't show up and play well. The other games, UCF doesn't have to show up and they'll still win. Mm. Uh, including what might be the last ride for Jeff Collins. Oh yeah, I think he's going to get he's going to get fired. Chris Felica, in fact, on game day. One of his bold guarantee picks, Georgia Tech under four wins this year. And South Florida under four wins. Ooh, wow. Big trouble in Georgia Tech. They changed a lot in the staff there. Yeah, it's not it, – they, it, they're in trouble. Yeah. All right, well – chilly hot. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, Jeff Collins' chili is really hot right now, let me tell you. Um, the, uh, the one game that we all had the most disagreement on – was SMU. Four of us picked UCF to win it. Three of us picked SMU to win it, including you two, uh, Drew and Kyle. Uh, Bryson also picked SMU. But, uh, you know, you guys have gone uh, through, you you know, that's, I, I, I get it, right? Mordecai's back, new head coach. 
but a coach who's familiar with Gus in Rhett Lashley, who played quarterback for Gus in high school in Arkansas. Um, what is it about that game? Because that game's here. It's not there. So I'll let Kyle go game? first. Oh yeah, you're gonna because let him. He, you're gonna he, let him take the flag first, aren't you? No, yeah. because he he definitely has a thing for Rhett Lashley and his inability to pick a quarterback. It's not his inability to pick a quarterback. It's his inability to lie about it. Okay, let's be clear about that. This whole thing, this, you guys were somehow rused by Coach Lashley and him hiding, oh, I'm not going to start Tanner Mordecai. Hey, put the pipe down, fellas, okay? How many? 3,600 yards, 40, 40 touchdowns, something like that? I forget the number precisely. I'll give you the short version, a lot. And the reason why I call for that is it's because... Him, is this him on the front of the book, too? I'm saying yeah. this is Gus's book. Here's Rhett Lashley right here. Anyway. Well, hey, that's all adorable. All the more reason for Lashley to play that like it's his Super Bowl, whereas Malzahn is sunsetting, and this is a fun job compared to being in Auburn in the SEC. But the punchline is this, gentlemen. At the end of the day, a team that can score like that is problematic if they start to get behind against a team that is a run-first offense. But, hey, listen, their running back, their top running back from last year is returning over 700 yards. Well, that's not impressive. He was one of three ball carriers with over 700 yards. That was a committee system, gentlemen. And if, if the uh, Mustangs need to go balanced, they can still trample you with a stampede on the ground. You may be able to, to pick apart their O-line and there being some transition, possibly, but the linebackers aren't going to be enough for that to be a factor. Two of uh, two. Oh, go ahead, Drew. Sorry. Oh, I was going to say you. sitting in a dentist chair, getting a root canal is probably a lot more fun to be the Auburn head coach. Uh, I mean, as Brian Harson is undoubtedly finding about right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at what's going on with the athletic director and all the other stuff. I mean, just that place is, is an absolute. There's some hot chili going on up and up down on the plane. I don't know if it's, if, if chili is what you want to call it, but there's something hot and steamy going up there. Uh, but leaving that uh, one think, alone. Yeah, I think Kyle may uh, hit a lot of good points. I mean, this is a very balanced team, and now you have an even better offensive coach in there. Uh, they faded la last year, uh, but other than the Cincinnati game, uh, they, you know there was no eggs laid. You know they they were in every game. They just faded. Uh, so the the big X factor is UCF's home field advantage. Uh, the playing playing in the, you know in in the bounce house has always been now uh, FBC Mortgage Stadium, which just doesn't roll off the tongue real well. Uh, I'll let you know how it rolls off the tongue. Anyway, carry on. Yeah, uh, but you know that that home field advantage is is brutally difficult to to overcome for a road team. It hasn't really been done for the most part since 2020. Uh, but the 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 truth is, uh, this is a really good team. This is probably the best team that UCF is going to see at home all year in the regular season. I mean, people are like, oh, Cincinnati, uh, they were one point away from being the top team in the American. Thank you to Black and Gold Banneret for saving the league from that travesty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because we picked them fourth, and this is why. You, you lose nine guys to the draft unless you're Ohio State and can re retool. This is Cincinnati. Uh, they can't retool that quickly. That I mean, they have good players, but you can't. If you they can't if replace. they do, God bless them. 
Well, they've recruited in his defense. They've recruited very well. They've been top 40 recruiting class. So they got talent. It's young. It's yep. young You know talent. how I feel about recruiting rankings. Well, I trust Luke Fickle. I trust Luke Fickle, they're what he's doing in the state well. of Ohio. And, yeah. and they're still recruiting very well, but yeah. that, that they're very young. You can't really Correct. expect those guys to really rise up until year two, potentially year three. Well, we're going to learn a lot about them week one because they, they're going to Arkansas. Oh, yeah. Uh, they've got, so, they've yeah. got a legit challenge. And there's a reason yeah. why it's it's put on one of those, you know, one of the ESPN channels. You know, it's, it's a a legit game it's it's you know it's more legit than south carolina state versus ucf i mean it's about saying nice and high buddy <laughs> I mean, well, you know i i what as eric says it's a glorified scrimmage no. oh it is i mean the scrimmage actually might be much more difficult honestly uh let me back up kyle about right. smu smu i did talk to someone at smu i will defend Rhett lashley on this front there is pressure internally for Lashley to play Preston Stone, who's their four-star quarterback. Uh, there's talk that if he doesn't play, that he's going to probably follow Sonny Dykes to TCU. So that might be why there is some gamesmanship as far as, hey, I'm not going to name a quarterback. Because in this day and age of the transfer portal, you're trying to massage egos here. Yep. See, I, I don't, I don't, I don't buy that. You know why? If he's, if he wants to go, if he wants to go, he's going to go anyway. Um, like, you know, and, like, like, uh, what player? No, seriously. What player is get, if he wants to, if he really wants to play for Sonny Dykes, what, what's going to, what's going to stop him? Sonny Dykes. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly. the only guy who's going to stop. Him. Right. In, in fairness, I think, I mean, while you might be right, Jeff, that doesn't mean the coach isn't going to try. I mean, listen, let's look in our own backyard. Every third sentence from either Gus or anybody offensive, the name Thomas Castellanos comes out. We know for a fact home slice wasn't starting this year, and yet they're going to keep mentioning him anyway. Say what you will about stroking of the ego. Hey, I'll mention it. Flattery gets you everywhere if you're talking to Kyle. So at the end of the day, there is something to keeping him comfortable if you're going to ask a player to sit and watch. Especially in SMU's case where Stone's the future. Like Mordecai, I think, is done after this year, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, there was some that didn't expect them to come back this year. So that's something. That's why I don't know what to expect from SMU. I agree that they can beat UCF, but I could also see that implode. Well, that's uh, there why were two picks. I mean, it eventually becomes like a coin flip. You know, well, yeah, that, that to me, getting back to the prediction grid, that was, that was the one that's like, I think, the closest coin flip between the two because it was 4 3. Uh, two other teams got two L's, Louisville and Memphis. Uh, I confess that I was one of the people who, who who threw the L on the Memphis game for two reasons. Number one, I know how really hard it is to go undefeated. And I think a lot of people, yeah, sure. It's, you know, it, it, I mean, you could say, well, uh, you, you know, uh, it, does that mean I think UCF will lose that game? No, I actually think UCF has a greater than 50% chance of winning every game they play coming into the season. Um, that said, that's that a back-to-back. Buckets. It's a back-to-back. It's a Friday night. You, I, I do expect UCF, according to my predictions, to come to that game undefeated. If they do, we know what happened up there the last time. Uh, and also, you know who helped convince me of that was you, Drew. Oh, because I'm, I'm the a quarterback from yeah the quarterback uh there i was doing a little research on him he looks he's i think he's legit uh yeah, Hennigan. Seth Hennigan so, is a gunslinger i mean he's an yeah. absolute gunslinger and we and we that, that. that there's, so, there's something about that game that feels like coming out party like well, you know it's it's a road game for ucf 
you know, uh, it's it's their first national real, TV. Yeah, you know, it's you know, yeah, there's East Carolina, but it's their first real test away from home. I mean, real test. Uh, you know, so they're they're don't that. sleep on ECU though. See, ECU is a, it's a dark horse team, but I think they'll still end up at, uh, around sixth in the conference. Uh, I don't. I think I think there's a gap between the top five and everybody else, and I think they just missed the cut. But but this any of the top five, and that goes that's UCF, Houston, Cincinnati, SMU, Memphis. Any one of them can win this conference. Yeah. Any one of them can't. Obviously, you need some balls to bounce the right way for for one team. But uh, th- this Memphis team is, is is very good, and they don't get a lot of credit because they get overshadowed by the Cincinnatis and the Houstons. But on, you know, on paper, it's the toughest road. It's the toughest conference road game. Well, on paper. I, well, when you look at the conference road games, what's it? Tulane, USF, Tulane, USF, ECU, ECU Memphis. and Memphis. I mean, uh, you know, at that point, you're looking at a giant trash heap. Of course, Memphis is going to be number one on that list. That's a t- UCF has arguably the most favored schedule I have ever seen. It is. Ridiculous. It's up there. It's up there. You you look at that road schedule that you you've got you know, two cupcakes. Uh, ECU, who's gonna, yeah, eh. and then Memphis. 17 was a pretty favorable schedule, too. I will admit, not like this, not like this. You you leave the state three times all year, and I would, and I would argue, by the way, in two of those three road games, you there'll be more UCF fans than the actual home team will have in Tampa and in New Orleans. I think a lot of UCF fans will make that trip to New Orleans. And probably go 50-50 with Tulane fans. They don't draw well up there in New Orleans. So I, I think you're right, Drew. Right. Bryson, that. by the way, picked Tulane. I just want to put, point that out yeah, for everybody. Yeah, I, I, I have nothing on that one. I mean, I, I, I have nothing. Let's I just move. So that's what I attributed it to. I... Well, no, look, in fairness to Bryson, I mean, Tulane would be the candidate to be this year's Navy. The game that you just blew, you gave away, you choked. You just had no reason. Had no. It's, it is. Purposes. It is the only. It is the only. Uh, Memphis Tulane is UCF's only back-to-back road games, and that's the second of that back-to-back. Yeah. Right. So I, I would say if you're going to pick a game that you just, I can't believe they lost that game. That would be at the list. Tulane, right there, okay. in my opinion. So I. Um, fair, I so if, I, it's not. It's a bold pick. Noah picked Cincinnati as the loss. Yeah, uh, I mean that's respect. That's fair. Der- Derek picked ECU as the loss. I mean, it's Greenville. Weird um, things I mean, can Holden happen. Ehlers has been there since the 1990s. I mean, 50. he's been there forever. <laughs> I, I will say, I will say one thing about ECU: they are very well coached. I think. Oh, Mike Houston. They, oh, I think Mike, Mike Houston's Houston, very yeah. good. Yes, yes. Yeah, so, and if finally they, the trajectory seems to be moving in the right direction for that program at long last. They finally so. shaken the curse of Ruffin and McNeil because they um, never should have. Well, we'll say, well, well, we'll I'm say, not going to go that far just yet. We'll, we'll, see, we'll, we'll see how that. We'll see how that works. But they're in the uh, right direction. They're in the right they, direction. They should never oh. fire McNeil. They paid. Oh, I agree with that. Yeah, them. I agree well, with that. Now, all but one of us picked UCF to be one of the two teams in the American Championship. The only one who didn't was one Kyle Nash who picked I'm SMU and Houston. Uh, let's see. Uh, most of us picked Houston. One person, Bryson, picked SMU. Noah picked Cincinnati. Uh, three of us picked UCF to win the American outright. Two of us, Kyle and Bryson, picked SMU to win it. 
Eric and Drew picked Houston to win it. Uh, Drew, we're the smart ones, aren't we? We're always the smart ones on this. <laughs> Why uh, are you the smart ones, Eric? Because Houston's, Houston's the best team in the league. Uh, they have the most favorable schedule. They have the experience back. And if you look at the history of the you American. You make a good point about their schedule. Right. So odds are they're in great shape to host the title game. Plus, if you look at the history of the American, teams that knock on the door and lose come back stronger. Look at Memphis, right? Losing to UCF, 17 and 18 eventually got over the hump, beat Cincinnati. Cincinnati had to get over the hump of UCF and Memphis, got over the hump. Look at Houston last year. They got to that championship game. They broke through and then gave Cincinnati a good game that night. So I think it's their turn to get over the hump. And Toons is a really good quarterback. We Nobody talks about him, but he's got a yeah, really – He's really good. Uh, so I do think Houston is the best team here uh, in the league, at least I would, and rightfully so, being the favorite. And I think they are the best shot. Them and Cincinnati, in a weird way, those are the two teams that I think have a legitimate shot to make the playoffs out of the American. Yeah, I think Cincinnati, I think SMU has the hardest road because they have the hardest yeah. schedule. Yes, right. All the co- contenders. Whereas Houston's UCF don't play each other at all. Um, Houston, Which works in both of their favors. <laughs> SMU plays Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF. So I mean that that's that's a gauntlet. Yeah, that's that's tough. Uh, bowl game. Two of us picked the Cotton Bowl, which is the G five bowl. I was one of them. So is Noah. Two p- two picked the Birmingham Bowl. Eric and Drew. Two picked the Military Bowl. Bryson and Derek and Cal. You went with the First Responder Bowl. I did. Yes. Wow. They never invite you I, I, to the military bowl. How many years, gentlemen, has this been prescribed? And it's never happened. I, I do. I, but let me get, uh, listen, this is the fun part. And I want to, because this is the part that people are going to, I think, enjoy is who we expect to play in those games. Uh, I picked Texas A&M in the Cotton Bowl. I think that would be fun. Uh, Noah picked Texas in the Cotton Bowl. Nah. That, that, uh, sorry, <laughs> Eric, you picked Tennessee in the Birmingham right. Bowl. Bring me some hype bowl. Yeah. Drew, you got a really fun pick right here. Ole Miss, the lane train in the Birmingham Bowl. <laughs> and he loves UCF. Uh, yeah, uh, I bet he does. Derek picked Virginia Tech in the Military Bowl. Bryson picked Pittsburgh in the Military Bowl. But I think Kyle has the most intriguing matchup of all. With the first responder bowl, Miami. That would be fun. With two fan bases that would be very miserable if that happened, by the way. Like no, none of them would When you say miserable, do you mean like angry? Yes. <laughs> like, no, seriously. Like, I think in our picks, I think Kyle's is the worst case scenario for UCF. And if if Miami with the high expectations, if both teams end up there, nobody's going to that game. Like well, nobody's, everybody's going to be miserable. That's, like that's the game, fairness, by the way, that's hosted by SMU. It's in Dallas. Right. In anyway, fairness, Kyle did pick the lowest overall record. So I guess you could say it would be worse. Case oh, at that well, point. well, let's, let's go with that real quick. Uh, yeah. I had UCF at 13 and one. Uh, I forgot. Okay. There it is Eric. You have 12 and two. Drew, you have 12 and two. Kyle's got 10 and three. Bryson, my Kyle, just selling on UCF all over the place. Although ten Bryson, wins, that's, that's actually much better than I was expecting from you, Kyle. So uh, yeah, that's, that's Bryson, good. we all we all picked everybody with ten wins. You're sounding like a Notre Dame fan talking trash on Brian Kelly. It's still ten wins, damn it. No, you're right. That's a fair point, Kyle. I think uh, it's a fair point. 
Bryson went 10 and four, Derek 13 and one, Noah 12 and two. So I think what we've, and I think the fan base would, we would all agree 10 wins in a minimum. Is the expectation this year? Well, anything nine on, last year, right? Patch on paper, all things being all things considered, and and by the way, I think we all would agree that UCF probably would have gotten to ten wins last year had the injury situation not been what it was. Actually, I'm a, let's go with John Mann. If they didn't lose the Navy game, they'd have ten wins. Right. Oh, right. The, the Carlin. Yeah, but no, ten plus wins, and I think. Honestly, a, a trip to the conference championship game is not unfair, quite frankly. I mean, Drew, you've brought it. This is a favorable schedule. It's probably, by the way, it's probably going to be the last favorable schedule UCF's going to have know, for a while. It's not just a favorable schedule, but this is a much more balanced league. You know, you yeah. don't have yeah. the league is like up this Cincinnati, year, I will say. which is just which is leagues ahead of everybody else. This is a much more competitive league where you have five teams with legit shots. Yeah, and, and, and I don't, and I don't think Drew, based on what you're saying, I don't think it's because I don't think it's that the the league as a whole is worse. I think as a whole, the league got better, and Cincinnati came back to the field. Yeah, Cincinnati came down. Uh, you have everyone Houston, else came up a little bit. You have Houston who moved up. You have uh, SMU who's kind of still in the same spot. I think they kind of underachieved a little bit, and then you have UCF who's expected to deliver on goods that they failed to deliver last year. Yeah. All right. Let me ask you this real quick before we finish this up. Um, which team in the American that we have not mentioned as a competitor do you think has the best chance of coming out and just surprising everybody and maybe competing for the conference championship? Well, there's only one. It's East Carolina. They're the only ones in the non not in the top half that have a shot. No one else does. Okay. Eric? I agree with Drew on that. Kyle? I mean, I like Holt Nailers too. You know, not for nothing. I yeah, there's something about ECU that kind of scares me a little bit with with Mike Houston. I think, and and with Ailers being a fifth year starter, a quarterback, his first start, his first start. Remember what his first start was? Yeah, against UCF. Yeah, uh, he replaced the- uh, uh, Marcus Crandall after the injury. Ah! Oh my god. Um, uh, no, it, his his Holton Ailers' first start at ECU was the 2018 game in Greenville when Mackenzie Milton was a game time decision, did not play. That's right. Brian Murphy broke that Daryl Mack was going to be the starter. And yep, and Holton Ailers threw a nice pick six to help UCF win that game, just like he threw many picks last year to help UCF win, just like he'll help them UCF win this year with picks like he's done throughout his entire career. He's kind of like Brett Favre. He throws the no. Ball he's a, a bad version. No, 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 he's no, he's Eli Manning actually. No, Eli Manning doesn't have that that kind of arm strength. Uh, he <laughs> he throws he throws the ball wow. very hard. He throws it fast and That's he throws a lot of interceptions. People. That's Brett Favre. Jeez, Louise. By the way, great breakdown of Brett Favre, Drew. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. But but guys, real quick before we go, another guy to keep an eye on with uh, ECU is Keaton Mitchell. They're really talented running back. Uh, right. He should be mentioned as well. Uh, so those are our predictions for the season. Send us your predictions. we got a form up on blackandgoldbanneret.com, which you can uh, hop on. Give us your game-by-game predictions. What bowl UCF you think is going to go to? Uh, and who your American Athletic Conference championship prediction uh, will be right here on Black and Gold Banner. We're going to post the results game day morning 
and kind of break down who the fan base and, thinks and, and real quick be a little bit the toughest games i think Go i ahead, just want to mention real quick because i know we're going to get feedback about this why aren't you not why, why not gasparilla why not boca for example uh, in-state bowl games drew and i have covered the bowl projections and uh, nailed the bowl projections for ucf the last couple of years our belief drew and you can correct me you can back me on this correct me if i'm wrong on this i think we both are in the same page we believe that Gasparilla is out because UCF's last regular season game is going to be in that stadium against South Florida. They they usually don't want to go back-to-back games in the same stadium. Plus, you were there last year. You're not going to get Florida two years in a row there. So I don't see the appeal there. And then UCF's playing in Boca this year. I don't see them going back to Boca twice in the same year. I don't think fans would be interested in the same trip twice. Uh, I think that's why you and I agree on Birmingham, Drew, because I think that makes geography sense. Military is a good pick. And then even Dallas area is not a bad pick from Kyle. There is a precedence. There's a precedence that runner-up in the American tends to end up in Birmingham. Uh, It's happened on a number of uh, uh, seasons. So it's not out of the realm of possibility of going there, but the, to stay in Florida, when you actually look at, you know, where you are in the calendar, it's usually a sign of stature in the bowl. Those are early season games uh, in the bowl, in the bowl season. Uh, Granted, you know, last year, uh, Gasparil, you know, found gold with, with Florida and and UCF. That's not going to happen again. And if you actually, let's take it back. Remember the 2020 game was canceled. So if you actually look at UCF played in 19, UCF played in 21, there's no way the Gasparilla will have them in 22. It's just, it's just not how the bowls work. Uh, they just don't like doing that off. Also, right, so when it comes things, to bowl predictions, we're all just throwing pasta against the wall and seeing well, what sticks. The other thing to keep in mind point. is part of these, part of these bowl agreements is also involving hotels and out of towners. You don't get that with day trips. You know, Tampa is a day trip. Boca Raton is kind of somewhere in the middle of that. It's about, you know, about three hours, uh, you know, from, from campus. So, I mean, you, you could probably drive back, you know, late that night or, or but, uh, you know, you go to Birmingham, you go to any of those other bowl games, it's not a day trip. You're going to stay there. That's part of building. Yeah, that's part of the selling point between the bowl game and the city about the economy and everything. Uh, that's why you don't see too many locals too often. Uh, they do rotate them around, move them around. And these are all ESPN. Both, those are both ESPN-owned games. You want to get away from those. You want to get to the better games. Plus, I don't think the conference is going to do teams that are leaving your conference any favors either. Like, I, I think uh, they're going to so, fa- favor teams that are sticking around. So what they're going to do is they're going to make an arrangement with ESPN to, to, to do some bowl trade, and they're going to send them to the famous Idaho Potato Bowl up in Boise. <laughs> Got it. Oh, Kyle, that's your yeah. trip right there. Rematch man. with Boise State. Okay. Listen, I'll take I'll take a game on the blue field over going to Birmingham. I'll right. be honest. Well, send hey, us. Hey, hey, tell hey, hey, wait, 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 wait. That's going to be at the new stadium, the new stadium uh, that UAB is using. It's not going to be Legion Field. Uh, it's actually a very nice stadium. Uh, it so, is really nice. So it's not going to be the the same um, old gray lady that yeah. the Legion Field was. So so I'll uh, give it a fair shot. Give it a shot. All right. So when we get back. By the way, again, reminder, send us your predictions, blackandgoldbanneret.com. And you have until uh, midnight, Wednesday night into Thursday morning to get that in. We're going to post results Thursday morning. All right. When we get back, Leger Ducible, former UCF defensive lineman, played in the early days of Coach O'Leary. He's been a part of the UCF radio crew in the past. You've seen him on CBS Sports HQ. You've seen him on ESPN+. He is doing analysis for the game on ESPN Plus 
Thursday night against South Carolina State. Dues drops by to talk about UCF coming in, also his career in broadcasting, how he got at, you know how he got into it, how he's enjoying it so far. Uh, we also see him on I Am Athlete as well. He does a great job with that. We talk about that and plenty more with Leger Deusable when we return. This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast, and we are back after this. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Joining us now, a guy who I've really wanted to get on the show for a while. I see him right in the booth next to me, in the radio booth with Mark, with Mark Daniels. He's a 10-year NFL veteran, a beloved UCF Knight from his time here uh, in the early in the early Whitehorse days of George O'Leary, right, Leger? Leger Doosable. Yes, <laughs> Leger Doosable joining us. He's also a host on I Am Athlete tonight on Sirius XM Satellite Radio, and he will be doing color analysis for the uh, for the night's opener against South Carolina State. Leger, welcome to the show for the first time, man. Of course, man. Thank you guys for having me. No, thanks for coming on board. We uh, all right. So, well, well, this is your what third year doing doing analysis on ESPN. Second year, second, second year. year. I second did year. two years radio UCF before that. This right, is my second year doing ESPN, um, calling games, and it's been a blast, man. I'm looking forward to Thursday night uh, UCF for South Carolina State. I've been following you since you ever since you retired on uh, uh, from well, obviously when you were playing of course yeah. but yeah but you know but your tv career as well as cbs and uh, you know, now you're doing this it's so good to see you on there and is it kind of when you're doing a ucf game do you kind of have to like hold back a little bit because it's your alma mater <laughs> yeah i mean i kind of just get in the character right I, I gotta be neutral that's my job that's what i get paid to do and i think i do a good job of doing that i've heard people say you know you're not really a, a UCF fanboy when you call UCF games. I, I try to keep it even killed. Um, I just try to bring my swagger and, and knowledge to the game and literally try to break the game down so like an infant can understand it, right? My, my job really is to make everybody more understandable of what's happening during the game as far as the X's and O's. So that's what I try to do. That's how I try to separate myself from other color analysts. As far as instead of just giving you the bare minimum, I really try to dive into the game and give, you know, fans some knowledge that they may not know. Take them onto the field. Who, uh, who is your, who is your guy? Like when you watch games, like who is, is there a particular analyst or broadcaster that you looked at and you were like, if I, I want to be like that person. Well, I try to be myself. I want to be like anybody, but if there was one guy that I've, I've really tried to, I would say, emulate or study, it's Tony Romo, man. What he does on the offensive side of the ball as far as calling out plays and really detailing what offenses are doing, that's what I want to do, not just on defense. I want to do that on offense as well and even special teams. So as far as just the X's and O's part, I mean, Tony Romo is, is second to none. Mm. Let's talk about the game coming up on Thursday night. UCF opened up against the defending HBCU national champion, South Carolina State. I think people kind of forget, like that team, that team was for real last year. They beat Jackson State in the Celebration Bowl. You know, I remember, and it wasn't close. Yeah, Uh, they they, beat them handedly. Yeah, yeah, they took it to them in that game. So um, this is a good football team that's coming in. It's not, this is not, this is not some, uh, some FCS cupcake. Uh, (laughs) What do you see? from South Carolina State that makes you sit up and notice them? Yeah, I mean, Coach Pugh's been over, been Buddy Pugh's been there for over 21 years, I believe. Um, just got another extension this past offseason. Great coach, uh, has his players ready to play. I mean, if you look at the history of their defense, right, they send guys to the NFL. Javon Hargrave, Shaquille Leonard. Last year, uh, the Kobe Durant went in the fourth round. 
to the defending Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams. So, you know, their bread and butter is their defense, right? This is a defense that's an attacking defense. They're going to show you different fronts, three, four, five-man fronts. They're going to blitz from different angles. They're going to try to force your quarterback to make quick, you know, decisions at the quarterback position. And then they're going to try to create negative plays on offense by slanting their defensive line, bringing some boundary corners, bringing some linebackers off the edge. So this is a defense that plays fast. Also, they turn you over. Cost 25 uh, fumbles last year, right? With 14 interceptions. They're plus nine in the turnover margin. So they take care of the football on offense, but yet on defense, they turn you over. So this is a team, you know, led by Jablonski Green, their outside linebacker slash DN. Uh, he's not just the HBCU All-American, right? He's the FCS All-American, right? So that's one of the top players in the nation at the FCS, le- FCS level. Um, 19 and a half tackles for loss, uh, three and a half sacks was really dominant in that celebration bowl versus Jackson state. So he's a guy that, you know, I would think Gus Malzahn and his offense is really honed in on, on defense, but defense is their bread and butter. Uh, also, they got a big playmaker on the outside and Shaquan Davis, right? Six foot five, 205 pounds, but this kid can run. He can go up there and get the football. Uh, there was, there's times during the season, you watch the film, they double team him and they still force feed the ball to him. Right. And he comes down with the football celebration bowl. He almost had a big, you know, catch and double coverage, but also had three touchdowns in that game. Right. And again, Jackson state was heavily favored in that game. They had no answer for Shaquan Davis. So I know Travis Williams will definitely be looking at that film, seeing what type of matchups he will, you know, put with Shaquan Davis, you know, um, will Devontae Brown be man up with him? Will they go, you know, bracket coverage? Will they have a guy over the top over him? Cause again, this is a team that will max protect, They'll keep two tight ends and block it up, and they'll take a shot with Shaquan Davis. And Kendra uh, uh, Flowers is a guy that was a transfer from Wake Forest. Uh, has some bursts. Uh, nice game. Plays with power as well. Um, was banged up a little bit. I think had a concussion in the uh, celebration balls. So didn't play the second half there. But uh, he averages over four yards a carry and, and had over 800 yards rushing. So they have some playmakers on this team. Well, we talk, I'll go over to the UCF side. And the obviously the big question coming in, for UCF yeah. on offense, quarterback. Yeah. What are we going to see from John Rice Plumley, who's won the job over Mikey Keene? Um, give us your take on this. What what's yeah. what what are we going to see from him in Gus Malzahn's offense? Yeah, I think a lot of people were surprised. I think I was even surprised, right? Uh, Mikey King can spin the ball. I think he played really well after Dylan Gabriel went down last year. I think he's really coming into his own as a freshman playing last year. Um, you know what you get, you got with Mikey Keene as far as throwing the ball down the field. Now, the athletic ability, we know John Rice Pumley is second to none when it comes to that on this team. He might be the second or third fastest player on this team, right? Not just on offense, on this team. This is a guy that had the rushing record at Ole Miss his freshman year at the quarterback position. So that's the thing about Gus Malzahn. If you look at the history, you know, with Nick Marshall and other quarterbacks he's had, right? He wants a guy that's mobile back there, right? So I, I see a lot of quick game in this offense. You saw a lot of, a lot of it last year. With them trying to get Ryan O'Keefe and some screens and some end rounds, you're going to see some of that, right? They're going to run the football. Gus wants to set a physical tone in this game and throughout the season as we get ready to move on to the Big 12. So I think he's going to, you know, use all three of those running backs. Talk about Isaiah Bowser coming back this year. Um, what he did in that Boise State game last year was unheard of. 30-plus carries, over 170 yards. And then finishing it up versus, you know, Florida, over 155, 155 yards in that game. Um, also, Johnny Richardson, he's going to be the change of pace back. Uh, 800, totally over 800 yards last year 
rushing the ball. And then, you know, Mark Anthony Richards is a guy I think compliments is a combination of the two together guy that can, you know, run with some speed and also play with some power as well. So I think first and foremost, this team is going to run the ball. I think RPO is going to be big for John Rice Plumley because he gives the threat of being able to run with his legs. Right. So as far as maybe running a lot of zone split zone and off of that, maybe throwing some slants behind that to keep the defense honest, right. If your cornerback is off, playing off man coverage, they'll throw a slant route to Ryan O'Keefe, throw a slant route to Javon Baker or Kobe Hudson. So I think this is what you're going to see from the offense. And then I think there's going to be some more design quarterback runs. We didn't really do that last year with Dylan Gabriel or, you know, Mikey King. But I think with the skill set that John Rice Plumley has, I think Gus Malzahn will be more apt to throw in a lot more quarterback run. Uh, one of the things that has been uh, much maligned between last year and this year, offensive line. Yeah. You know, had depth issues last year. I uh, had to replace the entire left side Correct. this year. You've got uh, two guys from the transfer portal, uh, Tylen Grable, Ryan Swoboda. Uh, how how will that uh, impact, at least for game one, uh, yeah. when it comes to the offensive game plan? Yeah, you worry about the continuity, right? Because I think Tylen Grable didn't, you know, start until – two weeks ago in training camp, right? I know uh, Rebolt and him were having a competition. They were going back and forth. I think he solidified Grable about two weeks ago. So the good thing about Grable is, right, he's an FCS All-American, right? He's played a lot of football. Uh, Sobota as well has played a lot of football. These are transfer guys that have, have played a lot of football. Now, your interior three, Sam Jackson, is a guy that's moved up and down the offensive line his whole career. So you don't worry about that as much because he's been inside before, right next to Matt Lee. And then, you know, uh, uh, Paule, uh, Lokahi Paule, let me get that right before Thursday. Um, he's a guy that's played a lot of football and, you know, he's comfortable in there with Matt Lee. So, I mean, the interior three, I think is the most important anyway, because that's the quickest way to get pressure on the quarterback is up the middle, right? Those three guys have been in the UCF program forever right? At least three years together. So Sam Jackson, Paule, and then Matt Lee have been constants up front. Now you have your two transfers on the outside, right? But these guys have played at a high level. And you know, again, Grable was a FCS All-American. Swoboda has played. It was an offensive lineman of the week in the ACC. This guy's played a lot of football. So I think they'll be fine there. I just think it's about continuity uh, and just meshing and, and gelling together, knowing, you know, you know, protections. And Matt Lee is good at that, calling out protections. And then you know, knowing how the inside guy is going to set, you know, if you got the inside, you got to kick inside and get back out. If you're Grable or Sabota, I think that's just reps. Reps, they'll get better with that throughout the year. Um, I think game one, this will be a good test to see with, you know, two guys on the edge for South Carolina State that can bring some heat off the edge. This will be a good test for them as they get ready to play out this game and then Louisville, I mean, then FAU and then Louisville and then get ready into conference play. Um, I think naturally this team will get better on the offensive line specifically as they get more reps throughout the game. So, so let me ask you real quick. Let me ask you quick. Uh, you know, you being a defensive lineman, you know, you, you've been there, done that. Is there such thing as too tall for an offensive lineman? UCF now has two six foot ten offensive linemen. You think yeah. you'd be playing basketball at that point? You don't see it rarely, right? You're six seven. Every once in a while, you see that. You know, six eight maybe. Uh, I think. Jordan Malata is around six seven, six eight uh, for Philadelphia. You don't. You, it's not a, a routine thing. Um, it just depends on can these guys bend. That's what it comes down to. Like, how flexible are you? Can you bend? How athletic can you move? Um, so I think that's what it comes down to. Because when you got guys like a speed rush and use the ghost rush where they fake like they're going to stab you in the chest and then dip under your your arm. 
that's when you're concerned about bigger guys. But it just depends on how flexible guys are. And I think this will be an early test again with these, you know, two edge guys, um, you know, um, Jablonski Greens, FCS preseason All-American. He can bring some heat off the edge. Um, Patrick Godbolt is another guy who's about 235, 240. He can bring some speed off the edge. This will be a good test for those, those tall uh, offensive tackles. Who is the biggest guy you ever went up against? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, Andre Giroux, probably. Yeah. Um, center from Dallas Cowboys. Well, what, what, what sort of, what sort of problems did it, or did he give you any? Well, it just depends, really? right? Because guys that are usually bigger, they can't move as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, I went against, uh, called Knicks from the Saints. He, he was massive. Like, yeah. And Jabari Evans when they, when they were at the Saints. Um, now both of those guys could actually move at that size, which should have been illegal. Um, but it just depends. <laughs> like, uh, if a guy is overly big and he can't move, then you when you start stunting and slanting on him, that there's issues for the offensive line. Yeah. But if you're more of a gap scheme team, right, you're double teaming, then it's an issue for the defensive line. Um, <laughs> so it just depends on the scheme and, and what you're playing. Because once you t- when you take something away, right, when a guy has a lot of power, right, but can he move in space? That's another thing. Is he susceptible in pass rush, right? If I get him on this island, can he dance with me? So those those are the, those are the things you look at, right? It's not all about size in the NFL. What? Well, let me ask you about the UCF side football. on. That's true. Yeah, let me ask you about the the UCF side uh, on defense because right now it looks like the defensive line looks really good. I love what what Ricky Barber's been doing. Yeah. Um, he looks like he's going to be a real problem for offenses to deal with. Oh, I think we. Yeah, you talk about the secondary, you know, Devontae Brown and Justin Hodges and all those guys. That was pretty set. The one question that we kind of had coming in was the linebacking. Linebacking. Like it was a little <laughs> bit in flux. What are you seeing from that group? I mean, the transfer portal, right? <laughs> the transfer portal can help you. It can hurt you. Um, but I think UCF, even though they lost Dylan Gabriel and, you know, um, Atamalala, I think I said that right. <laughs> um, I think they still won when it came to the transfer portal, right? You're talking about... Uh, uh, Kamori uh, Gamble at tight end yep. and then Jason Johnson was again a sophomore All-American at Eastern Illinois uh, Brandon Jennings another guy that transferred from Maryland who's a really good player I've heard good things during training camp about these guys I think like you that was the concern last year even last year because you know the depth was hurt there at linebacker last year and we were worried what was going to happen this year coming into the season well it seems like they got two good guys to fill in I mean Jeremiah um, Jean Baptiste is going to be the guy that's going to hold this defense together in the middle, right? This will be his show before, you know, he had to kind of share it with, you know, uh, Nate Evans and then also, you know, Tatum Bethune last year, but this year it'll be his show. He'll be running the defense and you got a guy like Jason Johnson who has a lot of experience, even though at a lower level, this is a guy that again was a sophomore All-American Brandon Jennings, you know, played at a um, big 10 school in Maryland. So these are guys that have experience, right? And they're coming in with experience. Now you actually have depth at the linebacker position. So Lord forbid, if one guy does get dinged up, you actually have another guy that can come in and play at a high level. I think that was an issue last year for the Knights, right? When, when Gene Baptiste went down or Tatum Bethune went down, you're like, Mm. Oh Lord, who's coming into play? Yeah. Armstrong Armstrong too, when he was, when he went down too. Exactly. Exactly. Now you actually have some depth there where you feel, you don't feel too comfortable, but you feel a lot better than you did last year. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you about this first game. You know, there's no real preseason, obviously, in college, but 
what do you as a player, right? I mean, you're playing against, you're, it's not a conference you game. You got to take everybody against, serious, man. Yeah, you can't, you, you don't want to, you don't want to get Appalachian stated, you know, like, like what they did against Michigan. So I mean, you got to think we used to be that school, right? Right. When I was here, we were that school. And then people started fearing us my senior year. They didn't want to put us on the schedule anymore. <laughs> I, I know. Um, so like, you can't take anybody lightly. Um, you got stated it in the beginning, right? This is a team that won in the Celebration Bowl. They run the MEAC last year, won the HBCU championship last year. Um, they have some talented guys. They have some guys that will play at the next level. I think Jablonski Green and also Shaquan Davis have the opportunity. Maybe even Kendra Flowers. Again, he actually played at Wake Forest, right, as a running back. Yeah. Maybe, you know, those three guys have a chance to play at the next level. So these guys, if I'm them, because I know I used to be them, right, when I was at UCF, we wanted to go in and knock those dudes off. So, like, when you're playing a team like this, you can't let them linger around right um you can't let them stick around and gain confidence because then you're in for a dog fight in the third and fourth quarter so so i got, I got let's let's change directions a little bit you know you're leading into this broadcast you know you you did radio with 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 mark for a while and then you switched over to how did you convert from one to the other uh because obviously you know when you're doing radio you have to paint a picture yeah and, and you have to describe things a lot differently than you can when you have the the screen in front of you as far and, and you can see what the people see yeah i think that's what helped me in this transition right it's a lot smoother when you're doing radio because like you said in radio you have to paint the picture there is no visual there right on tv there's a visual so people can actually see what you're talking about so i think that gave me a leg up as far as making the transition from radio to tv because i had the experience of being able to paint the picture for the listener um, because they weren't there they weren't in the stadium right um, now on TV, I have different graphics and things like that, but I still treat it as if I'm on the radio, right? Because I want to break it down that simply for the easiest fan to understand and also give them some knowledge maybe they didn't know going into the game. So, I mean, I think that transition uh, for me was always going to be there. Like, I always wanted to do this. I always wanted to call games. I just knew that I needed to take that step in radio first before I made that step straight to the booth. Because, you know, certain things, once you do it, they're in pin. They're forever, right? So I wanted to do it the right way. I wanted to make sure I had enough experience where I felt comfortable to come into this situation. And it's been a blast, man. I thoroughly enjoy calling games, man. There's nothing like it. Last question for you before we let you go here. Um, you know, you played until 2007 at UCF. We were just starting in Conference USA. We are less than a year now from joining the Big mm. 12. When you When you think about how far... Andrew and I graduated about the same time that you came in. We graduated about 05. Yeah, we I, I graduated for, in 06. 06, okay. Well, yeah. But but we were there for like the Mac you days, finish. you know. Yeah. And and I was and my freshman year, we were a D1 independent. So now you mm -hmm. see mm. how far the program has come from your time as yeah. a as a player to now being ready to go into to playing in the Big 12. I mean, it's one thing for us as fans to see it, right? But when you look back at where the program was for the players and as yeah. a player and to see where it's about to go now, what emotions come to mind? What are the thoughts that go through your mind when you see how, you know, that, that this is really happening now? Proud is the word that comes to mind, right? Um, you stated it, right? My first year was 04. We were in the MAC. Then Oof. we went to conference. You would say the oh, next year and the very first year we went to the conference championship. Now we end up losing at home. Um, to Tulsa, but we got our revenge uh -huh. my senior year, right? We beat yeah. Tulsa at home in the bounce house. The first year the bounce house was open. Um, just from the MAC 
to Conference USA was a big step. Conference USA to the American. And again, it seems like every time we move up in conference, we win the conference that first year. So I'm not saying anything about the Big 12 next year. <laughs> I'm just saying if history repeats itself, you know, um, because the first year we were in the American, nobody gave us a chance. You know, Louisville was just supposed to win that conference outright. Yeah. And we won it and ended up going to the Fiesta Bowl and smoking Baylor that year. Um, so, like, it's, it's just been a dream come true. It was the reason why I wanted to go to UCF. I wanted to start a tradition of something and have the history of the other schools that are in Florida now. Again, our history has been a lot better than theirs in recent years. We're not going to talk about that. Facts are facts. We're the best team in Florida. Um, you know, they can say all this, you know, yeah, you know, we got this, this championship and that. Yeah, but you've also been around for 100 years. What have you done lately? Okay. Um, but that was part of the reason why I wanted to come to UCF. Uh, George O'Leary, my freshman year when he was recruiting me, was telling me, you know, we're going to get an on-campus stadium. Um, you know, I'm from Tampa. USF didn't have that, right? So that was a big thing, like, for me to be able to be at UCF and actually see, you know, everything that was promised come true. And not only come true, in my senior year come true and us win the conference that year. That, I mean, that was amazing. And then, you know, he told us we're going to get an indoor facility. We were the first Florida school. People don't talk about this. We were the first yeah. Florida school to have an indoor facility. Now, you usually don't think you would need one in Florida, but as much as it lightning and rains and storms, you need an indoor facility. And we were the first ones. And then everybody else, you know, follows suit after that. So like we're trendsetters at UCF. That's again, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to come there. Like I had an offer from Florida last minute. I didn't want to go there. I hated Florida, matter of fact. But, you know, at UCF, I know I could build something. And to see where it is now and everything I envisioned, that's why I came to UCF, right, to start that tradition. Now you see the banners and when you walk into the stadium. Like, that was part of the reason why I came to UCF. And I'm just ecstatic now. Honestly, I want us to go to the ACC so we could take that over. And I think it would be easier for travel. But, you know, the Big, the Big 12 is, is a major come up for us. And the good thing is we'll still have a year with Texas and Oklahoma in there too. So, you know, if we do win the conference, you know, people can't say anything. <laughs> oh man. I hope we get another shot at Texas, man. Oh, oh my God. Oh, that, that game, that game and the Mississippi state game still haunt me to this day. Oh, geez. Well, we, well, we're thankful for, you know, obviously we're thankful for your time that you gave us here. We're thankful for everything that you've done for UCF, not just on the field, but off of it. You are everywhere. I am athlete on, on a serious XM. CBS Sports HQ, he'll be calling the game on Thursday night for ESPN+. Plus. Where else can UCF fans find you, LeJay? Those are the three things I'm doing mostly this year. I mean, I, I, I've had to turn some other things down. It's been a blessing. Um, but I don't want to, you know, again, I don't want to stretch my. That's a nice position thin. to be in, though, isn't it? Yeah, I didn't want to stretch <laughs> myself too thin. Uh, again, I'm blessed to be in this position, but I also want to be my best best self while I'm performing. So, yeah, CBS HQ, I'll be doing college and, and NFL analysis with, with them. Uh, five day a week show. I am athlete tonight, seven to nine Eastern on Sirius XM channel 82, Mad Dog Sports Radio. I am the host of that show. And then every Saturday, man, college, college fo- calling college football games for ESPN. So, yeah, it's, it's been a blessing. I love the stuff you've been doing with I Am Athlete, by the way. That Appreciate is such it. a great franchise, man. And and you guys do such a great job of, like, taking people like us behind the curtain. Like, yeah. We love that stuff. That's it's what it is. We call it the locker room. We want to take you into yep. the locker room. Gosh, that's great. Leger Doosville, you can find him on Twitter as well. He's pretty active. L-E-G-E-R-D-O-U-Z-A-B-L-E. Leger, thank you so much for your time. I'll see you Thursday night, all right? Definitely. Thank you, Jeff and Andrew, for having me. Thanks to Dews. I'm so glad we finally got him on the show after all this time. I, I 
you know, like I said, I've seen him in the, you know, in the radio booth next to, next to me in the PA booth all the time. And it's like, you know, and, and we like communicate non-verbally sometimes. And it's like, it's nice to actually talk to him. Guy played with the Giants, played with the Jets, knows his way around the Garden State, just like I do. So um, I'm hoping we, I'm hoping we can have him on again uh, sometime, uh, at some point soon. So he's going to be on the mic for the uh, game on Thursday between UCF and South Carolina State. Uh, only spread I could see, gentlemen, UCF minus 35 and a half over under 57. Um, that's according to Odd Shark. Uh, that's all that I've been able to pull together. But uh, all right, so let's let's just I'll, I'll let you degenerate to handle this. Uh, you take you taking UCF minus the 35 and a half, Drew, or what? I see that smile. Uh, I'm going 38. Uh, it's I'm, I'm going with the 38. You're, you're going with historical precedent, are you not? Uh, I mean, it's tradition. 38 nothing, two years in a row. It's tradition. Well, two, two meetings in a row, I should say. Ever 16 Scott, and ever since Scott Frost got here, it's been nothing but 38s. Uh, I, it, it covers the spread just barely, and and you do enough to to get your guys in and out. But you know, being a running offense, I don't think Yusuf's going to score as often as people think. So I think 38 nothing is is a fair assessment because you're gonna they're gonna take the brakes off. Huh? Or take the gas off, you know. I see 31 nothing. And of course, in the calm f- uh, manner that they usually react, uh UCF fans will see an emergency and firestorm because it wasn't 38. <laughs> Eric? Panic. In honor of the announcement on Tuesday, UCF will have a Spanish broadcast now for football games. Central Florida. That's Florida. awesome. That's right. They are going to have it. It's announced there. The guys that do the Orlando City there, you got Carlos Borges, and we'll be calling the action there with Sergio Ruiz Torres, the analyst there. So that'll be fun. So I will say uh, Borges is the voice of the Buccaneers on the radio side. Torres does Orlando City uh, on Spanish. So I will say Centro Florida, 47, eh, Carolina, eh, 10. Eh, 37-point margin. 37. Who say F.A.? <laughs> Oh, man, okay. I, I do want to bad memories. I, I did want to say like it's it's about to, I, I'm I'm happy to see it's about time UCF had a Spanish language broadcast. You're happy to see it. I mean, nobody's it's, happier it's, than my family. I'll tell you that. I bet it's a I long bet. time yeah. coming. It's overdue. I uh, yeah, where uh, Eric, where are they going to? Where where are we going to be able to hear uh, online on the UCFnights.com site? I think it's a, okay, an right. online broadcast, so I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a link uh for it so uh so it's cool i mean it's let me cool, t- right? now now let me tell you something here's the thing that i love about uh, about about the broadcast in espanol is they provide amazing content on big plays don't they <laughs> we'll get, we tend to it'll be a little exciting more exciting calls there I, I walk past the Spanish uh, broadcasting booth uh, at tiaa bank field at jags games they lose their vibes it's awesome i love it uh, uh, now we have plenty more to talk. About. So we're all in. By the way, I'm going to go with 31 nothing because here's why. Three meetings, 38, 38, 17, adds up to 93. Divided by three, 31. Average score, 31 nothing. That and I said it too, so it has to be right. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> we'll go. We'll go with that. All right. When we return. Lots to talk about. Bryson Turner is going to pop. Well, let's in. go. Let's, let's promote our coverage. Uh, oh yes, before yes. we sign off before here. Before we do that, yeah. All right. So we have here's what's going on on Thursday night. Obviously, I'm going to be a little busy. Uh, Why is that? Drew, <laughs> I'm going to be on PA. Okay. Drew and Bryson are, uh, or no, excuse me. 
Kyle and Bryson are going to be in the press box uh, for the game. Drew and Eric will be watching the telecast on ESPN+. Plus. We're going to be doing a watch-along. All, I mean, I get... all covered on Black and Gold Banneret. I've never, uh, I've never watched a football game with Drew before. I'm looking forward to this. This is why uh, we're doing this. We're gonna, <laughs> I get to w- pick his brain for four hours as we watch the game. And wait, wait, wait! Thoughts. What platform are you gonna do this on? YouTube channel on Black and Gold Banneret YouTube channel. So you're gonna, gonna go, go live on YouTube. We're gonna watch the game. Uh, we're also gonna break down Drew's draft. He has a big, important fantasy football draft during the UCF game. So we're gonna help him. Wait, are we gonna have? Are, is this gonna be like the Manning cast? Are we gonna have special guest Brian Murphy maybe pop in? Uh, Does that mean I, I hope can flick off the camera. <laughs> I uh, we're gonna, Drew. T- <laughs> no comment. We, we, who knows what could happen? We'll have guests. I'm not gonna reveal who. It could be we could have guests on the Murph likes to do the chat route, which is fine. You're more than welcome, Murph. Whatever you want to do. Uh, we'll have some guests there. We'll have some uh, quick analysis on that. And we'll do night shift after the watch along where we'll give our thoughts. And uh, we'll hope to have Kyle on uh, from somewhere at the stadium. Correct, Kyle? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. That is the goal uh, for me to jump aboard after the postgame press conference. Yep. So jump so we'll in have... from the secret hidden basement. Yeah. And send your send your comments. Instead of tweeting out your thoughts, just you know, send it on our chat. We'll try to answer it instinct, you know, interactively. We'll try to have coverage of this uh, you know, during the game, after the game. We'll ex- we're experimenting with this. We'll see how it goes. And we may do a few more of these down the road. So we'll we'll see how it goes. Yeah, have some fun, especially if you don't have ESPN that, Plus. Right. You know, yeah. the, the game is not on but, television, it's on ESPN Plus. So if you don't have it. Come join us. Yes, and make sure that you follow us on all of our social media channels as well. Twitter handle, of course, UCF Banneret underscore SBN. UCF Banneret underscore SBN. Also, uh, Derek and Noah will be on the field getting photos. They're going to be posting some stuff as the game goes along on our Instagram, which is Black and Gold Banneret as well. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret. Um, yeah, it's all here. We have it all. So, uh, you won't be able to get away from us this Thursday night. You, we uh, are your one-stop shop for all things UCF. That's a fact. Thank you. Even that's... a few post-game, uh, even a few, a few press conference uh, clips in the Instagram as well there, Jeff. Yes. Yes, indeed. And by the way, I it, those, and also Noah's been killing it. On, on, like Kristen Scott already is is like the leading nominee for like photo, photo of the year, which we'll talk about in a little bit when we return because we're going to recap UCF soccer. Then and women getting under it, moving their seasons right along. And also we're going to preview volleyball getting started and some uh, announcements for the ring of honor for UCF volleyball. It's going to be a celebratory season uh, in the venue this year, that and plenty more. And we return. this is the black and gold banner podcast. And we're back after this. We are back here on the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Jeff, Eric, Drew, Kyle, Bryson Turner is going to be joining us here in this uh, segment as we talk about what's been going on in soccer and volleyball. I want to start with the results that have been coming in. Uh, start with uh, men's soccer and uh, Elo, uh, one and one on the year after the one nothing loss at number 15 Wake Forest game where UCF looked like they were right with it, made one mistake. That's all it takes against the number 15 team in the country. Uh, but then came back and got their first win of the season against North Florida on Monday night, which was the night before we were recording this podcast. Uh, they were down one nothing in that game too, but uh, something lit underneath them and they got the job done in the uh, late in the second half. 
They got an equalizer from Mile Hayes uh, in the 64th minute, which got them going. And then 12 minutes later, Mauricio Villalobos took advantage of a catastrophic mistake by UNF's uh, uh, defender uh, to put home the winner, two to one the final. So uh, your evaluation, Eric, right now on, of the start for UCF men's soccer at this point? It's a work in progress. There's a lot of new faces, so a lot of pieces to all over the place. They've had some injuries. Uh, you know, as we found out, Luca Dorado had an injury pre- uh, prior to the start of the season, so he's playing catch-up. Uh, Gino Vini, he got hurt. He got hurt during the game. Did you see that one? He got banged he up there he, as well. He was yeah. cobbling around for the last 15 minutes of the match. Yeah, Gino Vivi got banged up in the Wake Forest game, which what they called him knocked up a little bit, whatever that, <laughs> don't know what that means. Uh, but they were trying to avoid not playing him in the North Florida game, but they actually brought him off the bench because they just couldn't get anything going in the offensively. So I, I think they're still kind of all over the place. I think Scott Calabrese, they turned the ball over a ton. They've got to clean that up even. And if you go to Black and Gold Banneret YouTube channel, you get the entire press conferences for the men's soccer and women's soccer uh, from this weekend. But, Bryson, I want to go to you on this because you and I have talked about that and you were at the presser. To me, the big positive for UCF men's soccer, one of the biggest questions this year, the goalkeeping situation. We saw how inconsistent that was last year. And I know it's just two matches, Bryson, but I think – Right now, they've got their goalkeeper. Thank you. Like, thank you <laughs> to the yes. soccer gods because UCF men's soccer has a goalkeeper. I remember thinking last season, like, oh, man, like, at this point, just get Caroline Delisle and have her goalkeeper, the men's team, because they need they need a solid person to man the net. And now they have one in true freshman Juan B. Munoz, from Spain he already has 12 saves on the season Eric just last night he had seven I mean North now is that a good thing or a bad thing it's a good thing because it kept UCF in the game like let's not let's not kid ourselves here last night was was a sloppy game I mean Mauricio Villalobos himself in the press conference mentioned that it was kind of disorganized. Now, granted, the pitch was very muggy because it rained really hard before the game, but it just overall was a sloppy night. And North Florida even outshot UCF with shots on goal. North Florida had eight shots on goal while UCF only had five. So Juan V. Munoz was very key in manning that net responsibly and keeping UCF in the in this game and so i i'm just glad that there's is someone there that can just be that that rock because that's how ucf women's soccer stayed in games last year with caroline delisle and now the men's soccer it there's 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 just they can mess up a little bit you know what i mean like while they're while they're able to work some stuff out they have a man in there in in munoz that can just be that last line of defense now I want I want I want Drew to jump in on one thing because look we've had so much conversation about the football jerseys anybody can, you know breaking that down everybody thinks they're a football jersey analyst but what makes Drew Glukoff different from everybody is that he can break down every sport jersey so Drew my man has the knowledge let's drop it here Drew he has the Thoughts? knowledge and he has the jerseys Thoughts UCF men's soccer jerseys let's go oh uh, well I, I love the fact that Terry Mohajer. And, and, you know, when they were doing the, the reveal, dropped the nugget that there was going to be new soccer kits on their way. And you, you have to be excited because even before 
the redesign of the fonts and everything else. Uh, the, the, the soccer kits that UCF's been pumping out have been fantastic. Uh, a combination of clean but modern. And, and I love the fact that, that UCF has created their own font. Uh, people don't realize the, the number font that they've been using across all sports uh, going into 2022 is actually an inverse of Michigan State's font. Mm. And Jimmy Skiles said that too, right? Yeah, yeah. with with a uh, with more italicized. So uh, now there's it's something a little more unique, and it's taking time for all the sports to pick up on it. Uh, you know, we got we're dealing with supply chain issues and all this other stuff. I mean, heck, at the kickoff luncheon for football, they were still decked in their old uniforms, so they're still there's still more to come. Uh, but I mean, be excited that that UCF is working on this rebrand now. Uh, with the new with the new numbers and all that stuff ahead of next year they're joining the big 12 i i think this is a form of growing up uh kind of you know you you know going to the next level i i really enjoy it and plus uh ucf signed a new a new two-year extension it's kind of a bridge contract with nike that's part of why this redesign is is going on as part of that 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 deal uh this is just a really holdover until uh, after the conference move, as well as the fact of you're dealing with a lot of supply and economic forces outside right now, you know, you know supply chain issues, uh, dollars are a little tight amongst a lot of companies. And, and as Terry Mahaja said, now is not the time to move. So, I mean, you can tell, read in between the lines, they're looking seriously at right. someone else. Read in between mm-hmm. the lines. Yeah, I can read. So, but thumbs up, thumbs down, men's soccer. Look. Oh, thumbs up easily. Thumbs I, up. I I enjoy uh, the design work that has really gone into the men's soccer kits. I mean, they I even some of the more unconventional, like the gray ones that they had, the, the kind of like charcoal striped ones. Uh, I think they look really cool. I, I wish I had one. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> please send me one. I'm not gonna lie. I would love to wear a UCF uh, soccer jersey. I would oh, love to wear. It. Yeah. Uh, so, so right now that team's one and one, they play Friday at seven at FGCU, you fans down in Fort Myers and Naples get to hang. Drew, you going to head down there? Not too far from you, right? Uh, I mean, Naples a couple hours down the road, but I mean, uh, Fort Myers, Fort Myers, come on. It's not that uh, Fort Myers, about an hour and a half. I mean, it's straight down I-75. So, I mean, yes. I mean, if coach Calabrese had a Jersey for you, would you go? Uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's the answer there's there the you answer. go coach calories if you're listening uh <laughs> That's a dumb question m- monday they're back home they face uh california riverside this is that back-to-back against big west teams from california that they play but it's <clears throat> monday at home against riverside and then friday they go all the way out to irvine california to play uc irvine so um, these are two pretty uh, pretty significant matches that they've got coming up to try and kind of like what Scott was telling us, right, Eric, before the start of the season, Scott, you know, they got that game against Wake, and then they're going to kind of calibrate yeah. things over the next – over these four games before they start uh, conference play September 17th against Temple, right around the corner all of a sudden. So Yeah, and like I said, there's a lot of moving pieces with the new faces, trying to figure out who fits with what. You know, look, in the Wake Forest match, they were inches away from maybe tying it up and get a draw out there. So Yeah, right there at the last second, too, yeah. man. Ooh. Yeah, tough call there. So, But yeah, this is going to take some time. We have to we, we got to check back in a few weeks. Once we get to All conference, right. let's see where this team is. All right. Now, on the women's side, they uh, took care of Florida Gulf Coast 
uh, on Sunday in a three to one victory. Again, slightly weather affected, but they got the job done there. Uh, this team right now stands at two zero and two. Now they the two draws was Sunday, uh, August twenty first at LSU. The one one draw there, <clears throat> but also. Uh, which we talked about on the last show, but also then they went Thursday out to Utah, out to Orem, Utah, which is almost, which is 4,700 feet elevation uh, and got a scoreless draw out of that one. In, in what, it, by the way, let's, let's give credit to Utah Valley. That team's picked uh, number two in the WAC um, this year. Uh, that was a, that was a tougher match physically, Eric, than I think a lot of us may have been expecting because Utah Valley is not a bad team. Um, it's the altitude. And I thought there were times when, you know, UCF looked a little sluggish out there coming from basically a mile high, but they get out of there with, with one point. Well, let's bring Bryson because Bryson, you spoke to Daria Rajayi about that. You, that was a big topic about the Utah Valley, about the altitude. The trip was not the friendliest. The field was not great. What did Daria tell you in the media there? Basically what you said, the altitude adjustment just is something that you have to just have to deal with when you go into those kinds of environments. And it just didn't end up not working out this time around. I mean, I think I don't remember. I think one time I don't know if it was on or off podcast, but we mentioned uh, no, you talked about basketball being like road games are, are, are things that you have to steal. And I think that road games in a sense in a lot of sports are sort of like that and in in the case of soccer I think it's kind of in a very similar fashion especially when there's such differing environments from going sea level to mile high the good news is is that they got the draw so at least they're still undefeated it's not the most ideal thing uh as coach Tiff mentioned I kind of alluded to when I talked to her after that after after the most recent home match but you know, at least you're, you 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 come out of there. It's not the worst case scenario. Let's put it that way. Right. Uh, kind of reminds me of when we would go out to play UTEP, right, Eric? Well, it's going to be interesting. Too, I say UTEP was always a problem because of the altitude. Well, it's going to be interesting. Remember, they're going to go to Provo and play BYU in future in all these sports. So you wonder yeah. how much of a factor the trip you know that's going to be. That's something to monitor in the as we get into the yeah. Big Twelve on all that. You know, there then, are training. There are ways they can train uh, to handle that stuff. They, you know, you have those 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 masks that you can wear that that cut some of the air down a little bit. Uh, so you can build yourself up to handle thinner air. It's this is a if you look at the schedule, this is a one off. They don't sounds go. like one of those things that a big 12 budget might get us. What do you think? Exactly. <laughs> uh, they don't go into the, into the Rocky mountains, the rest of the way. I mean, you have uh, at Texas and Austin, you have Tulsa in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That's as close to the Rockies as you get. So you're not going to have a huge elevation issue. The remainder of the regular season. Obviously, once postseason happens, who knows? Yeah, no, that's a good point, but they By did the come back. Yeah, go ahead, Bryson. Um, I want to make sure that I give a shout out, be a shout out to this, because this one, with all the uh, attention we've been talking about with McKenna Melville going into the season and chasing the all time kills lead. Um, we have actually been uh, might have had this sneak up on us a little bit because Kristen Scott, she scored two goals in the three to one victory over FGCU. That makes it 27 career goals for her three shy of 30, which would put her in the top 10 all-time UCF women's soccer goal scorers, the last player to get in on that list was Nicolette Radovic 
in two in 2012. Yeah, so, Nikolai Radovchich. Yep. Radovchich. Yeah, I, yeah, I read that wrong. Uh, but but it's been a decade since we've had someone over the course of their career score as many goals as Kristen. And with how many goals she scored, if she stay, stays on pace, then I think we could be seeing seeing her crack the top 10 in a little later on in the year. And well, uh, well, let's let's talk about that game against Florida Gulf Coast because UCF was down one to nothing, got three goals in that game. And also, let's not let's not throw out uh, Mallory Olson too, who's also developed into a scoring threat for this team. But Kristen Scott, uh, three like you said, three goals on the season so far, and has uh, and, and like we said also earlier, is the in the early running for for photo of the year for Black and Gold Bannerette with. Uh, with her goal celebrations all over the place, which are just epic, but by, by any means um, we're looking now at a team that's two Oh and two, uh, by the way, both soccer teams, is this right, Bryson? Both soccer teams receiving votes in the college soccer uh, in the uh, United coaches poll. Yes. Ironically, and um, ironically enough from what I've been from, from what I've seen, both of them um, look just double checking here. Um, well, as you, I, well, while you're checking on that, I just want to point out too that you know UCF at least at this moment, uh, or, or as they're heading into uh, as they progress in their schedule, they're coming up against. They're going to go to North Florida. They're, they're going to North Florida, and, and this was this was a good win against an FGCU team that was picked second in the A Sun. Yes, missed the NCAA's by a hair. Last yeah, no, there's a talented team with a with one that's of the best, a good team. This is not a herb- cupcake. No, I mean they're they got one of the best uh, four goal scorers in the country in Louis Lillibach. Uh, yeah. they're a very talented team. Built, uh, they're you know here's my thoughts seeing them in person calling the match. First of all, this is the best teams Tiff has had there since seventeen. It's the deep and experienced as advertised. Their back line is the deepest I've ever seen. They don't yeah. have Jeff a Kanye Plumber type. They don't have that defense that just dominates. But what they do have is a lot of talent, like Kellis Barton to transfer out of Washington State. They could go four or five deep. We haven't even seen Ariel Young yet, who's out with an injury. Daria Rajai, the midfielder of the year, she is a phenomenal midfielder. Very underrated. Could go yeah. down as one of the best midfielders ever. The questions here as we moving forward is, what's going to be the right pairings for her with Rajai? They're trying some different combinations in the midfield. And then you both highlighted the scoring Kristen Scott's a great scorer. She's going to, right now, she's three goals away from 30 goals in her career. She'll finish in the top eight minimum. Who's going to be the score? Where's the scoring coming from other than Kristen Scott when you face this tough teams coming up? Is it going to be a Mallory Olsen? Is it a Mia Asenho? Is it a combination of them? Asenho is kind of off to a slow start, right? But yeah. Mallory Olsen is picked up. Well, her size in the box is a weapon, and I think that's what they like there. So, look, this is a good team. They're going to North Florida. Then the big one, Sunday night at home, they host nationally ranked Ohio, I mean, uh, Old Miss, who has one of the best goalkeepers in the country, the two-time uh, reigning SEC goalkeeper of the year. But there's a developing story here, guys, uh, that's under the radar. Uh, we could, uh, Sources have told me and Bryson. Sources. Tiffany, yes, we do have sources. Tiffany Roberts Sahadek will not be coaching UCF on Thursday against UNF or the old Miss match because she is going to be with Team USA. The U.S. national team has exhibitions with Nigeria, which means, Bryson, who will be in charge? Her, her, her husband. So we still have a Sahadek. 
It's still a yeah. Sahada. So, uh, so like you said, Eric, Thursday, across from the football game, UCF women's soccer plays in Jacksonville at North Florida. So uh, if you're a UCF fan in Jacksonville, you can't make it down for uh, for the uh, football opener. Um, you can support UCF women's soccer out at uh, UNF. Uh, and then, of course, Sunday, September 4th, 6 p.m. at home against Ole Miss. That game, like you said, is going to be huge. Uh, and Bryson also here for me, Maggie Jenkins for UCF has been called up by her native New Zealand national team. Is that right? Yes. And yes, Maggie, we haven't seen, haven't, I haven't seen a lot out of Maggie so far this this season from what I've saw, but yes, earlier, but yes, earlier this, earlier today, we got the, I got the notification on my, on my Twitter that, that Maggie was called up for New Zealand, which is an honor for all yeah. for anyone to represent their cut to kind represent of, kind of country. a bummer though that the international play is like kind of interfering with the season at this welcome point. to soccer welcome to soccer this happens at every Eric, we need the 21st century model right now i don't think that helps too. it actually it would have i don't think that well, helps no, that one. well i mean it, it would have started the season a little later right so it could i could um it could so we'll see what okay. happens. by the way i want to this is very common. I mean, I know it's unique because I know people are going to, what do you mean she's not going to be coaching the team? This has happened in other sports when you're a part of the staff of the U.S. national team. I remember the World Cup for the women is less than a year away. So it's not like yeah. this is an important time for the U.S. national team to figure out who they're going to have for the World Cup, which she will be a part of that staff. And then on Sunday night, Ashley Orcus, that's the name to remember, two-time goalkeeper of the year in the SEC for Ole Miss against Caroline Delisle, the reigning American Conference goalkeeper of the year. You may not have a better matchup all year in goalkeeping than mm-hmm. you're going to have Sunday night, 6 o'clock, Ole Miss, UCF, uh, ESPN+. Plus. I will have the privilege of filling in and calling that match uh, for that one. Big, big ramifications. UCF won in Oxford last year. What do we think? John Rice Plumley has to make a cameo in this game, right? He has to show up and watch this, doesn't he? Yeah, but the question is, what's he going to be wearing? UCF gear? I think he's Ole wearing Miss? UCF. Has, you know, anything from anybody from Ole Miss on that team? I don't know. Kyle, get to the bottom of that in the post game when you. Yes, this is important. The, this is really what matters. You never wear the jewelry from the ex <laughs> while you're married to another. It's very simply put. But hey, I'll okay. Well, let's let, well let's see let's see if Mister let's see if Mister Plumley gets that because we we know how good he is on the piano. Okay, he's a romantic wow. chap. Yeah, but he also has to come back to school the next day. Yeah, fair. Yeah. All right, fair. All right, last Listen. word with two and two and one word, Drew. Women's soccer kid. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, I, I'm going to go thumbs up, and for the same reason as the men's, it's just it's a very classic design. Now, again, we haven't seen the end of the rebrand. There is more to come. Stay tuned. All right. Now, another team that we will get an opportunity to see for the first time this year coming up this weekend: UCF. Volleyball. They are actually, as you probably remember from when Todd Dagenet spoke to us uh, earlier this month, they're starting their season about a week later because of the a quirk of the calendar, basically. Uh, but they will start with the UCF Challenge this weekend. They play two matches. They play Friday, September 2nd at 7 p.m. against Syracuse at the venue. And then they play Saturday, 7 p.m. against Kansas State, future Big 12 opponent to start the season uh, with these two matches. I was at the scrimmage this past weekend, um, checking things out. Uh, I will say that, uh, first of all, 
<clears throat> Syracuse off to a good start. I think their head coach is Bakir Ghanasaratnam, uh, who was at Temple the last few years. Uh, but uh, I'm really excited. I think a lot of people are going to be excited to see the new people that are coming in here. Uh, in particular, um, you know, I was just kind of asking around, seeing what, seeing who was, who's looked the most impressive in camp, and the and the one player that I think everyone kind of gravitated towards was Abby Hansen, the grad student transfer from Oregon, six five middle blocker. She comes in and is ostensibly taking the place of, <clears throat> excuse me, Narissa Moravic, who is one of the nation's leaders in blocks last year. But Abby is legit, Pac twelve talent comes in as a graduate student, understands the system, understands her cues in the system as well. Uh, she looked really good during the scrimmage over the weekend. Uh, I was also really impressed. I think that uh, 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 Heidi Bondi continues to develop. And Caitlin Grimes, the libero, you know, we know how good she was last year coming in as a true freshman and overtaking that libero position uh, playing extraordinarily well. I think she's just, she's going to be steady Eddie back there. Uh, and then of course, you know, McKenna Melville and what have you. Yeah, go ahead, Drew. Well, I want to point out you, you mentioned two names, you know, you mentioned uh, Bondi and Hanson. They're the tallest two players on the team. Yep. You know, six, uh, six, four and six, five respectively. Uh, I remember last year, one of the things we talked about, especially against UCLA was uh, UCF's lack of height mm-hmm. and how UCLA being taught made a lot of, a lot of blocks at the net. Uh, and and so this baby change, you know, uh, Bondi only a sophomore. You know, there's a lot of time for for development there. So maybe this is the start of a change in the direction of the program where you're starting to get some of that height that you need to be actually competitive on the national level. Like, you know, obviously, you know, with with players like Melville, you know, it's it's you know, you blow through the American. The American is not a strong volleyball conference historically. It hasn't been. It it does punch above its weight class though. It. it but the weight class is low. I mean, UCF yeah. is dominated uh, to the point where it's it's not not even close. Now this year should be a little bit more competitive. All signs have pointed towards it. Uh, but when you go to the national level, you start playing against the best. They're the ones with the people six three, six four up at the net and making those kind of blocks that you need that height for. We may be starting to see that change. Uh, obviously it's going to take a little time. It's going to have to change when they go to the yeah. big 12. Cause that's yeah, where the size. they're, no, they're no. going to get torched. No, yeah. I think, I think that's true. I mean, the, I think we talked about this last year, like you were saying, Drew, the, the issue with volleyball and why I thought initially it would be, it, I think some, I forget somebody asked me, but uh, which school or which sport would be the toughest for UCF to compete in, right away in the big 12 and i thought it was volleyball for that for that reason that you mentioned is that six three six four six five they don't grow on trees all right and they tend to collect in a certain in in a relatively few programs in division one volleyball that's your big 10 you're well i don't know what we're gonna have in the back 12 now but um let's assume you know, they're still there for now. let's assume there's yeah and the upper part of the big 12 right so Look at UCF's roster, who they've had from the American Athletic Conference era, if you will. All right. Jayla Hervey was 6'2", and she was like the tallest outside hitter that we had back in the day. Hia Bright was 5'9", but could jump out of the gym, but she was a unicorn. I've never seen, I've never seen anybody jump so high in my life. Um, your current outside hitters, okay? 
Uh, you're looking at obviously McKenna Melville, who is uh, she's listed at six one. By the way, have you ever stood next to McKenna Melville? Well, the problem is I'm only five foot nine and change, so I look short. <laughs> like I don't know what it is about McKenna Melville. Like when she, you see her out there on the court, she looks she doesn't look tall, but then you but then you stand with her and you're like, God, you're tall. Uh, well, it's because of the people she stands next to. Yeah, I mean, and, and uh, Mackenzie Chambers, right side hitter, six feet tall. Stella Kirda, who's on the Greek national team as the backup outside hitter for UCF. She is six feet tall, okay? But you're right. Now look at who's coming in to compete as in the transition to the Big 12. 6'5 middle blocker in Abby Hansen. 6'3 outside hitter in Emily Wilson, who comes over from, San, from the University of San Diego. Uh, you have, uh, obviously, uh, uh, Carrie Zumach, grad student from Indiana, 6'3", right side. Uh, and then, of course, we talked to, you know, we talked about Abby Hansen at 6'5". So now you're starting to see that. And it, and it also used to be like if you, if you had players who, if you used to get players who were like 6'4", 6'5", yes, they were tall, but they weren't overly athletic. Now we're starting to see players who are legitimately athletic at yeah, six, four, six, five, which is incredible these, when you think about it. Yeah, these ladies have a resume behind them. It's not yeah. like it's not like They're legit. Uh, yeah, it's not like a stiff. Uh, these are these are these are good players. Uh, you, yeah, it's it. You know, you look at this year. This is going to be a really good year. I, I can just feel it. Well, the expectations uh, are high. The expectations, well, the expectations are, are high. It's what? it's the swan song of McKen uh, of McKenna Melville. Uh, you know, she she is a you know a, a legendary athlete in the annals of UCF athletics. Uh, I don't think people realize how good she really is because she doesn't play a mainstream sport, and that's not fair. But I mean, she's a legend. Uh, I, yeah. You're not going to have a player like this. 10, kill, 10 kills Friday night. She joins UCF Hall of Famer Renetta Menchikova. 2,000 kills in a career. Mm -hmm. That's ridiculous. Uh, could be the last. We may not see this again. Uh, she'll likely be, if she stays healthy, she'll be the all-time kills leader by the end of the season. She's about 160-some back. Uh, so we know that's, that's the expectations. There. Yeah, 160-some back. I think, you know, it's going to be interesting. She was over 600 kills last mm -hmm. year. She's averaged over 500 the previous two years. Now, they've now, changed how they do the stats. Two full years. Still. Right. Yeah. Well, here, well, here's the thing that's amazing is she's 500. And this is – and, Bryson, we're going to start Mac Wash here. Oh, this and is – I'm excited for it. I really So yeah. she's – what you what is this? You said, Eric, 160-some away from Renata Menchikova. 161 from tying the record. Okay, 161, 161 from tying, 162 from breaking. She's 510 away from – 2,500 kills for her career, which would put her top 10 all time in NCAA history. history. Well, we Bryson, we Regardless of era. Bryson, we, we, we're checking on this. We believe she's the active leader in kills going, coming into the uh, the volleyball season. We, when, uh, uh, that makes a lot of sense considering so, she's in the running for the top 10 all time yeah. NCAA history. Right. But uh, she's going to look, she's going to face an equal, if not more, on Saturday night in Kansas State and Aaliyah Carter, who UCF's going to have to deal with not just on Saturday, but probably the next couple of years. She's been an all unanimous first team, all Big 12 performer. She's their McKenna Melville. Yeah. So that's going to be the challenge there. They've got a big, you know, six five 
a middle blocker in Sydney Bolding, who was a, is going to be a force for UCF to deal with. Here you go, Big 12, 6'5", middle blocker. Uh-huh. Right. Yep. Interesting storyline there. Lauren Hankel is their new setter. She's moving from the defensive specialist position to setter. So that's a transition. That's like having a defensive yeah. player move to the quarterback position. It's kind of unique. So we'll see how UCF kind of comes up defensive schemes there against Kansas State. And then Syracuse, they're basically starting over. Coach Bakir, six players return. Uh, that's kind of a rebuild. But uh, in talking to Coach Bakir uh, on Tuesday, he's excited to just see Todd again because they're good friends. So I will yeah. say one underrated thing about McKenna Melville because, like, look, let's face it, because the kills thing, I mean, that's McKenna's whole bread and butter. You know, that uh, that is that is something that I'm very looking forward to seeing. But one underrated aspect that I'm looking here, um, McKenna Melville is has 226 total blocks in her career. She's we're not she's not known as a blocker, by the way. But Mm -hmm. if she has a similar blocking season as she did last year, where she had 84 total blocks, she will be in the top 10 all time in career blo- in career blocks which so would she'll be she, she could be number one all-time in kills she's coming into the season she's number four in digs and could be number 10 in blocks it, um, correct. it yeah, it's correct. going to be a ha- now keep in mind this is going to have to to this is going to have to have her have a a blocking season like she did last year last season was an, an, an inordinately good blocking year for her but if she ends up having a similar year as that, then she will be in the top 10. This is just more of a curiosity because this is one that I genuinely don't know if she's going to do. But the fact that she even has a shot at doing it, I think goes to, get, goes yeah. to tell you just how good McKenna Melville is, that she could potentially be top 10 all time in three different stats. She'd be the only yeah. person ever to, she'd be the only player ever to do that. Yeah, her well, her stats, uh, her dig stats often get eclipsed by her kill stats. But I mean, she she's she's hard to to get the ball past. Let's put it that yeah. way. She's, she's one the of greatest two way player I've ever seen. She's one of six UCF players ever to have over a thousand kills and over a thousand digs in a career. Uh, Tyra Harper and Renetta Menchikova are two of those. That's probably the conversation for the greatest volleyball player of all time. It's Melville, Menchikova, Harper. If you go different positions, obviously Jordan Pingle's the greatest libero. Jenny Frank's the greatest setter. Maybe uh, Delena Sarden is maybe the greatest middle blocker. Uh, but that's the conversation for volleyball yeah. history. Uh, Melville comes in the unanimous selection, by the way. They got this out right before we got the podcast. Right after they got our Unanimous selection for preseason player of the year in the American. Unanimous preseason all-conference. Uh, also preseason all-conference for UCF, Claudia Dillon, 6'2 middle. And Amber Olsen set her heading into her final season. UCF was picked number one in the American for the fourth consecutive season. Again, they've won 72 of their last 75 matches against American Athletic Conference opponents. Uh, and they ex- And they expect to do the same. Uh, this year, and I one one little uh, uh, or not little big addition uh, for for UCF this year. Uh, some more additions to the Ring of Honor, which is right up our alley, Eric Lopez. Because uh, the last couple of years, Coach Dashney told us, you know, because of COVID, because of everything that's happened, they did, they didn't get the chance to uh, honor former players and former coaches the way they the way they have been doing. They, and they've been and volleyball's been very good about this uh, of uh, of honoring. Um, uh, alumni in their sport in the building you know there is a ring of honor that's up there we've honored the 2003 team the 1970 national champions the 
Uh, Jenny Frank is up there. Uh, Renata Menchikova is up there. But, we, uh, but we're making up for lost time with four new inductions into the UCF Volleyball Ring of Honor just announced today. Coach Meg Fitzgerald, now known as Me- or previously Meg Collado, she will be going into the, uh, into the Ring of Honor. Tanya Jarvis, congratulations to Tanya, head coach at Bishop Moore High School, who had an amazing four-year career in the time when we were students at UCF. She, she and I actually shared the same exact years, 01 to 05. Uh, Delana Sardin, who we mentioned earlier, who is a, it was the, the, a great star in UCF's 2013 run uh, to the American Championship. And Emily Watts, who also played in that uh, early 2000s uh, team, was a teammate of Tanya Jarvis under Meg uh, Fitzgerald for that three-peat 01 to 03 in, uh, in the Atlantic Sun. The four of them are all being honored, and they're they're staggering this on different dates, too. Is that right, uh, Eric? Yeah, Watts will be honored uh, on Saturday night uh, during the Kansas State match. I don't know. When do they usually do it? Do they do it uh, before, after, in the middle? uh, Usually they do it. uh, I I, I think they've done it at at half. I I was just about to say at halftime during the the match break. but But the last couple of years, remember, they've shortened the time. Right. In the break between the second and the third set. So I think we might see it done before. I'm not 100% sure. We'll, All right, tune in we'll and find out. We'll, we'll find out. Yeah. So she'll be honored Saturday night. Uh, I believe Tanya, speaking to her, because I'm friends with her, she just gave birth, by the way. So she's on actually paternity leave Tanya. right now. Uh, yeah. But she should be ready to go when they honor her. I believe it's October 16th. I believe they have a match that day. You can check uh, there. And then uh, obviously, Mike Fitzgerald is going to be doing the majority of the volleyball matches for UCF on the SBN plus will be honored in November 4th from what I, and from what she told me. And then yeah, uh, pick a date, whatever you want, Meg, we'll get you in and there. Then Delana she's Sarton, be, it's not like she's not going to be there. <laughs> right. And then Delana Sarton also will be there uh, in November as well. So I always love that. Uh, I know Bryson is preparing a lengthy sheet of not a future candidates that need to be added to the ring of honor. He's, he's got Todd on the hot list over some names. He thinks that he should, he uh, should add in the future years. Uh, that'll be fun conversation, but you know, down the road. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that these four are going, I'll tell you, I can't, I honestly can't get over how old I feel that I'm seeing Emily and Tanya get inducted into the ring of honor. (laughs) at UCF but I'm so proud of them and uh and and Delena who like Delena is like a serious mover and shaker man like she uh, she is in the um she's in the coaching search business in the coaching talent search business and administrative search she's really something man I, I mean as great as she was as a volleyball player, she's that much. She's she's even she's just as great yeah, at doing she, that. She will likely be the next volleyball player to get inducted to the Hall of Fame at UCF. So that yeah. that that would be my my prediction there in the next probably next couple of years. Yeah, it's it's exciting. So this is an exciting season for uh, UCF volleyball uh, in particular. Will Drew thought, be happy? Right. Will Drew be happy next week with volleyball's gear? Will, Jeffrey, you know the insides well, on the gear. I, well, will well, we, no, I I don't. I don't know. I, I don't know. I haven't seen the oh. new the new duds yet, man. I mean, you can't go with what you you've seen at the the scrimmage. Obviously, that's that's old stuff. And much like soccer, it's new to them. But that was designed before the rebrand was fully in place. Yeah. So um, again, 
things are still moving. So yeah, you may see some new duds, but they're they're not like the new new. They're kind of like the quasi new, right? So we'll see. I, I you know I I'm I think I mean, Drew like like you. I'm looking forward to when the Olympic sports all get the new font. Exactly, and that's kind of what I was leaning towards. Yeah. I mean, we'll see them in basketball because uh, they have a little bit of time to get it ready. But these other fall sports really didn't have time to get them out the door. So we're still seeing the old night head. We're still seeing the old font. And, and you know what? You know, I, I liked the old grays, the, the I guess you call it pewter color that volleyball wore. I actually, I thought it was, it made a lot, it worked for them. Uh, it was, it was a good look. And I think those are going to be going away because as we know, Terry Mohajer thinks that pewter looks like pajamas. Hmm. <laughs> his words I, I, listen i you know we'll see i mean we're leaning into black and gold as you said i mean we're black and gold banneret right i mean well i yeah i mean we, now i'd like to point out that we're not gold and black banneret we are black and gold that's black primary gold is the accent which is why gold tops in football should never ever happen again they they should stay <laughs> gone fair I'm just looking uh, forward to this new feature with Drew we have on the podcast where he breaks down the Olympic jerseys, Olympic sports jerseys, and football jerseys everywhere. Yeah, we're going to have You see fashion. We're going to have to see more. I'm uh, going to have to see more. Now, I, I want to tell you, as far as my collection goes, I do have volleyball. I do have soccer. I have baseball, lacrosse. You have a volleyball jersey? I do. Uh, Whose jersey? I, uh, I don't. I'd have to. I don't. I'd have to look up the name because it's an old CUSA one. Uh, <laughs> what number is oh, it? Man. Do you know the number? What number, yeah. I believe it was at number four, but uh, oh. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go take a look again. Um, yeah, if it's four, it might be Andy Youngblood, maybe. Uh, no, Andy wore five. I'll I'll have to show it to you guys, but I mean, I remember when when the both soccer teams, the men and women's, each had their their uh, Citronaut, their first ever Citronaut uniforms, which still had the old orange squeezer. I do have one of each of those. I mean. Uh, you pick up things here and there over time, but I just want to point out, I do have a softball in there. Uh, so women's basketball, men's basketball, it doesn't always have to be about football. There's so much more, uh, you know, the work that goes that the equipment team goes into the designing of these, they deserve a lot of credit. Uh, it's not just one sport and, and we forget that at times. I, I want to emphasize that too, is that, the fact that they're bringing that they brought this design, the design level in house, right, is such a huge advantage. I mean, it, it it speaks to the culture that UCF has developed. It's not this boilerplate stuff that that you might see from other schools. Well, they we're out there to. owning our brand. Yeah, they used to do the boilerplate stuff because that's what they could afford. Right, uh, but the and- fact that we've leaned into that and and are and are putting, you know. UCF students who are creative and just and just these remarkably creative people, you know, to work on the on 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 this particular project. I just I'm so well, proud of that well, as the an alumnus. Brand advancement team, you know, um, Jimmy Skiles and his team, yeah, and all that stuff. They have done nothing short of phenomenal work. Uh, and this is their calling card now. Listening you know? to what they to how they speak about and doing the, the process man i wish i was a fly on the wall for some of that stuff because oh, that's man. stuff that i thoroughly enjoy may i may have the artistic drawing ability of of you know a cat a dead cat you know i could draw stick <laughs> figures poorly 
but I can appreciate the other aspect of it, the the artistic aspect, the materials that are used. I mean, th this is all part of it. The technology that's improved over the years. Uh, the fact it's not just a jersey. It's it's also you know for for hydration and moisture and and body temperature. There's so much that goes into a uniform. It's not just a logo on a on a shirt. Uh, and that's part of the modernization that we've seen. Yeah, you look at the you look at our our jerseys from ten years ago, fifteen years ago. The the technology has changed so much. Yeah, in Night such a short day. period of time. In yeah, such a short I, period. Yeah. You take that old Adidas, an old two thousand five Adidas, got one. You put it yeah. up against a two thousand eighteen, two thousand nineteen. You know, um, you know, UCF football jersey. I got one. You can feel the difference. You can see the difference. You, you can, you know, it's different when you're actually able to touch it and understand Who's, what goes into it. Who made the jerseys back in when we were in school? Is it Russell Athletic? It Russell Athletic. Um, yeah. We dropped them after 2003 and uh, went to Adidas. And I, I admit, I actually liked the black Adidas with the gold stripe on the shoulder. I, did I actually liked those. Uh, I didn't like so much when they when they went to the gold one. I mean, they had the, the one year novelty aspect. It was new. It was different. Oh, it's cool. It's the gold ones. And then by 2006, bring back the blacks. And <laughs> and so they brought him for that. That one game against Pitt. It was so bad. Lawyers like never again. And then in 2009, Adidas comes out with this minimalistic black jersey with just a little bit of gold in the, uh, on the cuffs. And it was a real clean look. They wore it twice. Uh, it was the least worn jersey in UCF in modern UCF history. It was, they were used twice in that one against the big, the big one against Houston, and then the follow-up against Tulane. Uh, I actually own two of those uh, just because they're so hard to find. Uh, that I think was a precursor of things to come. If we stayed with them and the Marcus Jordan fiasco never happened. Uh, I think we were starting to see a little bit of improvement in the in the uh, quality, but we never really got to fully realize it. We never saw what the new contract was going to bring us because it got killed before it ever started. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll see. It's uh, right now we're not in that full manufacturer transition yet, but we will yeah, get the chance years. to see. We will get the chance to see the new football jerseys, which also equipment revealed the jerseys today uh, at. Uh, uh, we're going all black, white helmets on Thursday night. It's a very, very clean. clean. Yep. Very clean. Uh, this is probably one of my favorite uh, color combinations is the white, black, black. In uh, it's it's very clean. Uh, I, I like the black top, black bottom. I, 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 lo I love bringing in Latavius Murray to check it out, and they put him in it. Did you see that video? That was great. Oh, oh yeah. Well, they, they started oh, doing my that God. earlier. They did, th they did stuff like that last year with some, some – uh, alums if i recall correctly where did they, they do that I can't where remember. they were actually doing the dressing of of different uniforms i i think that's really cool it's I, gus melzon has done such an outstanding job of really getting the alumni base back mm -hmm. to ucf and yeah and carlos carlos, oh, yeah, carlos too. With, my uh, god with, i mean uh, you know the fact they got dante Culpepper kind of front and center and and for he basically wanted to lay low for a long time now he's kind of embracing you know starting to become a face again this dude you know you know what i'm thinking right 
Uh, I'm thinking you need to find a way to bring him in here. That's what you the need. Ho- to do. The holy, the holy grail. The holy grail is getting Dante in one of those uniform reveals. I would say get him on the show is a holy grail right there. Well, yeah, it's a fair point. I mean, I don't know. It, it, it'll come when it comes, but um, I'm really excited for this. So Thursday night kickoff uh, at FBC Mortgage Stadium, 7 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, and the uh, according to Black and Gold Banneret's unofficial meteorologist, Eric Burris of West Channel 2 in Orlando, uh, showers, storms of concern, Bring your ponchos, might have some uh, rain issues, clouds around, storms on radar for tailgating about five o'clock. Keeping an eye on the radar at seven o'clock might be rainy. So we'll see. Uh, I, I hopefully it holds old, off. I miss our old, our old official weather lady in uh, Danny Medina. Uh, miss, I, miss having her around. <laughs> she she, she her. knew how to call the weather. I saw her yeah. on my Twitter timeline. She is ready. She posted a whole like. Uh, Danny's ready, man. Look out. By the way, Drew, you mentioned Dante. Did you see UCF football's tweet of where they talked to Coach Lounsbury about? Oh like, yeah. About yes, his I did. On Dante story. Oh yeah, I, I've heard all. I've heard a bunch of those Dante stories. Um, yeah. I know for you, it's like this is like all brand new stuff, and it's like mind blowing. Uh, it'll be young. It'll be young. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, really yeah young. I know. Well. A new football season starts for us on Thursday. We'll all be there. Follow UCF Banneret underscore SBN. Follow each of us individually. Jeff underscore Sharon, Eric Lopez, Elo, Statboy Drew, It's Bryson Turner, the SOTG for Kyle Nash. Uh, Kyle and Bryson will be in the press box. Drew and Eric will be watching the telecast, which again, our our guest for today, Leger Ducible, will be the analyst for. Thanks again to Leger. Make sure you follow him at Leger Ducible on Twitter as well. Um, I love Leger. He's just an amazing ambassador for the program. And uh, best of luck to him uh, on this telecast and all the future ones that he does uh, as well. But uh, again, it's showtime, guys. Here we go. Uh, We even have cross country getting going on, getting going on Friday, too, at 630. So uh, so make sure you're on. uh, Make sure you follow us for the latest news on that. Make sure you follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash black and gold banneret. Make sure you follow us on Instagram, Black and Gold Banneret, where Derek and Noah are going to be putting uh, their latest uh, photos as well as post-game reactions up there on Instagram as well. And of course, YouTube, Black Gold Banneret on YouTube, where we will have our, uh, where we put our latest video content. And we will, uh, and Eric, we're going to be doing night shift too, right? Post-game show, night shift, me and Drew will handle it uh, this week. Uh, obviously, we're going to be on watch-along throughout the deal. Drew will give us more jersey breakdowns live, interactive. But then post-game show, we'll talk about the game. Kyle will join us from the stadium somewhere. Uh, so full coverage. Knee-jerk reactions returns, right, Drew? It's back. Does does the day end in Y, then it's a great day for a knee-jerk reaction. Yeah, it's, great. it's also a so great we- day for tacos. We've got you covered. We are so excited as we as we roll forward. Don't forget, we also got soccer. We got volleyball. We got cross country. We got everything happening this weekend. We are back full swing here as, as we start the month of September here on Black and Gold Banneret. For Kyle, for Drew, for Bryson, for Eric, I'm Jeff. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you follow us at, uh, also, make sure you subscribe to our podcast if you don't already. If you do, we thank you. Leave us a rating. For all of us here at Black and Gold Banneret, I'm Jeff Sharon saying thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the game on Thursday night. Go Knights. Charge on. We will see you Thursday night for UCF and South Carolina State.